0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network.
1: This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style podcast, and it is the best.
2: on today's show, we'll be previewing the burning spirit in Kobe and covering all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com Check out our Pro Wrestling tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash social suplex, that's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please can make it, consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com, slash donate, and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, Custom and share playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Young boy, here we are. Another week of keeping the strong style. Man, what a what an intro!
1: Uh, here we are. Another fucking week of keeping. The strong style. <laughs> That was the that was the intro where I think you literally thought to yourself, what have I gotten myself into? Like, is this even worth it anymore? Um, Jeremy, I- I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we showed up to work because you know, New Japan can't apparently do the same thing. And I'm not <laughs> just talking about the wrestlers, they haven't even uploaded, you know the blue justice show that we're supposed to have watched over the week
2: bro i'm pretty sure me and you are the only two people who have been refreshing new japan world every day to see if the blue justice show was up
1: well that's very presumptuous of you you think i'm refreshing new japan world every day come on man <laughs> yeah. I, I watch this shit like an hour before we start the show and then i just you know throw my shit takes in. I'm, i i just act like an expert i'm not actually paying attention um let me ask you this though, and, and, and yeah, again, it's not just the wrestlers; it's the people that upload the content and everything. But someone, somewhere within Nihon did their job because guess what was uploaded this past week? What? G One special from Roppongi Hills on eight thirty. The lost, the the lauded and <laughs> much sought after lost show of new japan in 2022 it exists i told you there was a show the day after the g1 it was g1 special to Rapongi hill and it is available for all of you who you know y- y- you got the scratch you got the itch you can't get your new japan fix well they gave you something so you know go go to new japan world watch that show tell me about it because i'm not gonna watch it <laughs> uh, you know let me ask you this before we move on
2: yeah how did it feel? How did what feel? How did it feel
1: when you knew that this show had arrived?
2: Oh, are, you, are you talking about uh, Spotify?
1: Yes, I'm talking about Spotify. Make no mistake about it. We have arrived. We play with the big boys. Look at the adjective. Play. <laughs> If you go, if you didn't see it on uh, our Twitter, you didn't see it on my store because you're not friends with me on social media, which is most of you, um, all you got to do, you just go to Spotify, and then you go to podcasts, and then you go to wrestling, <laughs> <laughs> and you scroll all the way to the bottom, your boys keeping it strong style amongst the top 92 promoted wrestling <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> On Spotify. Someone uh, pointed this out to us, and I was like, really? And I went and I looked, and it was real. And I was like, well, maybe it's just curated for our taste. And then I went from a a random account, and it still worked. We are, I mean, you know, Talk is Jericho, all the Pritchard shows.
2: Grilling with JR.
1: Grilling with JR, you know. um, I don't know who else is out there. I don't listen to all those shows. But we (laughs) are amongst the elite.
2: The elite. The
1: elite. The elite yeah man so uh, thank you guys um yeah. in all seriousness though it is pretty cool keep listening keep donating and you know drop us a review I think we got like 34 well, reviews
2: well I, it's funny I have a review that I wanted to, to read to you
1: oh nice okay,
2: this, okay. ladies and gentlemen this is, is not this is not planned Josh wait has, is it
1: is this good or is this bad because we've had some bad reviews where I've been like angry afterwards
2: you, you might be angry after this one but first of all on a Spotify thing keep Giving ratings and reviews on Spotify so we can keep moving up the charts there. Um, Are we about
1: to bury one of the frauds?
2: Yeah, so this, this, <laughs> this is a uh, Apple Podcast review from last month, August 3rd. The title of this review is, Do They Even Like NJPW? Hmm. And, and they gave us three stars. And, wow. And they say, I love New Japan. But this show just seems to complain and put down everything. Maybe WWE is more for them.
1: (laughs) 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 That's funny, man. I don't know. Um, Why why would we do this podcast for, you know, going on five years if we hated New Japan?
2: This is episode 251. If we hated New Japan, why would we be here 251 weeks consecutively?
1: Yeah. You know, here's the thing. And I mean, like, uh, I think that that is funny, obviously. Um, I don't know. I, do you feel like we're overly negative? I feel like we typically have a pretty fair and balanced opinion about the, uh, our, you know, coverage of new Japan.
2: I would say so. I mean, we're going to be, you know, critical on stuff that needs to be critical. We're going to praise stuff that should be praised. You know, people want us to probably come out here and you know throw all this praise on House of Torture now or complain that Nito should have won the G1 and all this stuff and i mean we're going to give our fair balanced takes our opinions our our ratings uh i think we're pretty fair
1: that was from august yeah what were we even covering it
2: august. was it was august 3rd so it must have been G1 G1
1: well i mean there was there was stuff to be critical about during G1 and uh but i mean there was a lot that we you know, gave credit to I don't know. That seems uh I don't know. I, I don't know what to really say about that. That just seems like a fucking weird review. <laughs> yeah, so for all our <laughs> listeners that
2: enjoy the show, please make sure you go out on Apple Podcasts, on the social suplex feed, and our individual keeping a strong style feed, leave a rating and review and tell the truth in your review.
1: Yeah, here's what I would say. Like if um You know, if there is a reason that you feel like we're putting everything down, then um, and I'm not even saying this defensively, I'm just being like, just straight up, like, for lack of a better term, say it with your chest, explain, cite some references and explain what it was that you heard us say that was negative. Or if you like something we say, you know, like, give us the criticism. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's our show. We'll you know either take heat of it and uh you know uh follow it or you know take it into consideration or we'll throw it out and you know never remember ever again <laughs> <laughs> but um i mean that one is one where i don't have anything to like work off of he's like they're so negative it's like how <laughs> like, what what was it did you not like did you not like uh you know how i felt about the Dave finley matches like i don't know you know, was it the <laughs> night toe burials? What was it? <laughs> let us know. Yeah, let us know. You know, but uh, I'm not gonna watch WWE. Okay, <laughs> like I probably watch more WWE than like the average, you know, wrestling fan. Like I've consumed so much of it. Like, you know, I'm not gonna watch. I'm not gonna watch the current day product unless it, if it gets better. I'll watch it. Actually.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm I'm just off of it. Like I know a lot of matches got. Are getting... Did you not watch Walter Sheamus? I saw the ending of it. I do. I do want to go back and watch. Bro, you all gotta of watch that, that match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I did not watch the any. Like that was the only part of Clash in the Castle I watched. I did not watch any of the uh the, whatever the NXT show was the same day. It's all out. Didn't watch any of that. You
1: know what that uh that Tyler Bate and um Braun Breaker. Bron breaker match was i watched it just the other day really good and you know there's probably a lot of reasons for that but it it reminded me a lot of ddp and goldberg
2: you yeah. know yeah you said that in the group chat and i can definitely see that comparison you know tyler Bate, he's an incredible worker you know this guy's been hidden away in nxt uk for so many years now and this guy he's still incredible and i'm sure you know braun breaker i mean he's still pretty green but he's really good and so i'm sure that combination worked really
1: well you know speaking of WWE, now we're on the topic we need a podcast on this network to cover WWE. <laughs> rich and james they're not going to do it ricky and clive you know maybe they'll come back maybe not we don't know um and the rest of the you know shows they're not i mean we got a lucha underground podcast we got an AEW podcast you know but we, we, have got a, podcast. we have two aw <laughs> podcasts we have two AEW podcasts uh, I guess technically three, if you really consider One Nation Radio, you know, uh, a catch-all as well. We don't have anyone covering, like, WWE. And at one point, we had, like, three or four podcasts covering, you know, NXT as well as WWE. And, um, yeah, we need someone out there. So if if you're somebody who is good at this shit, meaning, like, you're good at podcasting, like, don't come with, like, you know, terrible takes and terrible audio and, you know, rinky dink you know production but if you want to throw your hat in the ring we kind of need someone to cover that so
2: yeah you can email me uh, a demo jeremy at social suplex.com if you want to are interested in in joining the network covering WWE nxt doing you know weekly podcasts there yeah that'd be greatly appreciated definitely a need here and when
1: we say like interested in covering it we mean like probably forever like you have no like working intentions to ever stop
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're looking for people who are, who are committed. You're not going to quit after, you know, one episode. Uh, so if you, if you love WWE, you love uh, Paul Levesque's Pro Wrestling, we would love to have a podcast on the network covering that.
1: I like pre-Vincent Kennedy McMahon, WWF, that 1979
2: shit. Yeah. <laughs> you, you like uh, Vince McMahon Sr.'s Pro Wrestling? Yeah, bro. I mean, not all of
1: it. There's some pretty terrible stuff in there, but yeah, I... You know, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I I do like WWE, uh, just not the current day product and just not what they've been putting out, you know, for a decade plus. But, I mean, generally speaking, most of my fandom is wrapped up in WWE, so.
2: Right, I think most people our age, I mean, most of your childhood, it was either, you know, WWE or WCW. And then the younger you get, is it's mainly WWE. So um, it's been a big part of a lot of people's childhoods around
1: our age. Yeah, but going back to that comment, I mean, you know, you could tell us we don't like New Japan, but top ninety-two, baby. <laughs> top ninety-two. I don't know what to tell you. You know, you try and give me a three-star special, but uh, you know, big draws in the building. You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> Can't hold us down.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyways, let's get into since since we're gonna be super positive on this episode and talk about all the goodness and greatness that is New Japan Pro Wrestling, which we absolutely love. Um, which now i don't know where i started being sarcastic and then stopped in that sentence so i'm not quite like quite sure but uh a lot of shit got canceled this week and you know and then some of it's back and it still doesn't look that great
2: Yeah, so you know we, we got the the ominous black and white lion mark logo on the Twitter feed, which meant bro, which
1: it just means your your day is ruined. Yes, yeah,
2: bad news. You know, bad news, Barry. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. <laughs> <laughs> when you see that black and white New Japan lion mark logo come across your screen, um like if Josh, yeah, men- someone do
1: us a favor, like find a copy where they put up that logo and it was good. I can't even like think of a single time where they put that up and it's like, Oh, thank God the black and white logo come and save the day. You know, it's always something really bad.
2: Yeah. I think they use a, use a gold one. I think for, for good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do they really do that?
2: I feel like I've seen the gold one before and it was something good. I oh, don't know. Man.
1: I've never thought of that. But, like, <laughs> we got to start paying attention now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but we know the black and white one is definitely, you know, something, something's gone wrong. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, like Josh mentioned, we had some shows canceled this weekend uh, due to Typhoon Nanmadol. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. Um, it was expected to make landfall in southern Japan. New Japan decided to cancel Sunday's uh, Burning Spirit event that was supposed to take place in Beppu in the Becon Plaza. Uh, so refunds were issued for that. Uh, Ridiculous. But-
1: <laughs> if, if this was Florida... We'd be braving the storm. We'd be watching New Japan.
2: <laughs> yep, and uh, the key match on that show uh, was the Tornado-Dog Cage survival match for the Never Six-Man Openweight Tag Team titles, Goto, Yoshiashi, and Yo, defending against House of Tortures, Evil, Ujuro, and Sho. And the show is also going to be headlined by a 10-man tag elimination with Tama, Kanahashi, Yano, Kushida, and Jado squaring off against the bull Clubs, Jay White, Carl Anderson, Doc Taiji Shimori, and Gato. And then New Japan also went ahead and canceled the September 19th event that was in Fukuoka. With, now with those cancellations, a never six-man title match was moved to the show that is coming up this Friday. Uh, we also got the black and white logo for an update on Kushida. He's going to be missing action in Kumamoto. He was scheduled to wrestle on the televised live event on September 21st in Kumamoto, um, but he's going to miss the event due to health concerns. So he was removed from Saturday's event after presenting a fever. And then after testing negative for COVID-19, he underwent consultation with doctors who diagnosed him with a suspected skin disease.
1: So Florida.
2: <laughs> yeah, Kushida. He, he needs to move out of Orlando ASAP.
1: Yeah, bro, you catch something real quick down here. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Do yourself a favor. If you've never done this, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that know about this trick, but who knows? Probably a lot that don't. Just type into Google the date of your birth, your birthday, not the year, but just the day, and then type in Florida, man, and then just see what pops up. There will be something incredibly interesting that pops up no matter what day of the year it is. So, you know, Florida is wild down here. I'm I'm sure that's the uh the culprit of the <laughs> suspected skin disease, whatever it may be.
2: Yeah. So yeah, man. So yeah, some cancellations. Uh they haven't put up the Yuji Nagata show, Kushida being out. This burning spirit tour is, in, has in not been so hot. Dirt,
1: in the mud, bro. <laughs> Dumpster fire. Man, fuck New Japan. Why are we even doing this podcast? I'm gonna go cover WWE now.
2: <laughs> Let's talk about the uh the white rabbit to White
1: rabbit, yes. <laughs> oh man, no. But uh, you know, there is some positive that came out of this one. Um, you know, we didn't have to watch these shows, which weren't necessarily ones I thought were gonna like light up the world anyways. But I was interested in the six man, the never open weight six man, and you know, the more I've kind of thought about it, I mean, we don't really know what it's gonna be, you know. Cause I mean it's it's a dog-cage match, and it's a six-man, and it's a Texas tornado, I'm assuming that you have to probably eliminate all the members of the other team.
2: Um. Well, they they put the rules, and we... we... Oh, are there rules? Okay. Yeah, there are rules, and we, we talked about them Reading last week. Like... Your...
1: Well, I don't be listening to what we say.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> let me see if I can uh, pull it back I was up. starting
1: to think that, like, maybe you would... Um... Like, as you eliminate somebody, then the t- then the number, then, like, the other team is at a disadvantage because they lose a person each time someone gets locked into a cage. Maybe there's multiple cages. Yeah. I right. don't know.
2: There are all multiple cages. So, uh, so, here's the rules here. Um, so, like you mentioned, it is under tornado rules. Um, and there will be no tags and submissions and pinfalls count by anyone on anyone. In addition, there will be four sides of the ring. Uh there'll be dog cages on all four sides of the ring. Teams can opt to lock an opponent inside one of the four cages to eliminate them from the match. Should all three members of a team be shut in a cage, the match will end.
1: So if they get pinned or submitted, is the match just automatically over or is it elimination rules across the board?
2: It sounds like one pin and submission and you
1: win. Okay. So the dog cages, if you get locked in, you're eliminated. Right. But That doesn't lose the match for the team. It only you only lose the match for the team if everyone is in a dog cage or someone gets pinned or submitted.
2: Right, so you could end up with a like three on one situation, and then you can pin the one guy. Well, you know, I kind of like
1: that because there's like a a numbers game psychology. I mean, I'm not saying that they're gonna go out there and have a great match, but I mean, those aren't those aren't the worst rules in the world. I mean. Considering if those guys all decide to go out there with their working boots on and have a plund- a walk and brawl plunder fest and, you know, just, you know, completely ham it up in Corkin. And then, you know, you see the, the numbers come into play with people getting put into the cages and eliminated and blah, blah, blah. That match could actually end up being better than we're giving it credit for once I thought about it this week.
2: Yeah. Um, the only thing is, I, I wish that um, there would be cheering for this show uh, because I feel like the crowd would, would be pretty into it, especially when House of Torture is getting thrown in the cage. Or yeah, uh, I, I feel like that match really needs like the booze when they're they're cheating or it's a three on two advantage, uh, two you know two on one advantage kind of thing.
1: And don't get me wrong, considering you know Yano's in the match, right?
2: Um, no, 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 he's not. It's Goto, Yo, and Yoshihashi.
1: See, that's where we're at. Like, I'm I'm just thinking like dog cage. Chaos. Yano's gotta be in the mix. Which which team well, is which team's even the champions right now? Is
2: <laughs> Goto, Yo, and Yoshihashi.
1: Okay, yeah, they won them back recently,
2: right? But uh, I'm sure Yano will come in play because I'm sure uh, Dick Togo will be out there. So I'm sure they'll have Yano to kind of counterbalance Dick Togo's
1: interference. Okay, well, I mean, regardless, it's still the House of Torture. So at the end of the day, could this end up kind of sucking? Sure, you know, especially since New Japan. Uh, generally doesn't always really take uh, stipulation matches super seriously, especially when it's a kind of a goofy one like a dog cage match. But you just never know. They might give you something sort of surprising that's good here. And what I like about it is instead of this being the main event, it's now coupled on to a show that has other matches. Well,
2: it's now the main event of the show that's on now. Previously, it was uh, in a semi-main event spot, but now I thought it
1: was going on to the Kobe show.
2: No, it's not. It's going on the uh, twenty-third show on Friday.
1: Oh well, then it's it's just what it was before, anyways. (laughs) See, this is what I was gonna say. I was gonna be like, you know, I like when they load up a big show and have meaningful matches instead of spreading them across the entire freaking, you know, tour. So you're you end up watching. A million repeat matches on the undercards with just you know one meaningful you know title match that on a bigger show would pretty much just be a prelim match anyways yeah but uh that's what they're doing anyways so <laughs> it <this> doesn't matter
3: <laughs>
1: yeah it's
2: funny even uh my wife has been noticing like the repetitiveness of some of these matches she like didn't we watch this match yesterday?
1: Bro, <laughs> are you with, with the same guys? <laughs> are you making your, your wife watch?
2: I'm not, making, Japan. I'm not making her. We'll be in the room and I'm watching it. You no, know, doing my stuff, getting ready for the show. And she'd be like, Well, didn't, didn't we see this match yesterday? It was like, you know, right. L, L.I.J. and Suzuki Gun match. I'm like, Well, you know, it's a preview. You know, the guy do different, you know, preview matches.
1: No, bro, you need a kayfabe what are you doing? Like, y- you, you don't say it's a preview match. You'd be like, Yeah, these guys, they hate each other. Uh, <laughs> they 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 can't really settle it. Night after night, it's just war. Every night, gotta run crazy. it every night. <laughs> they just run it back. <laughs> it's a best of twelve series. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So, anyways, uh, okay. So, essentially, we're getting the never open weight six man tag team match on uh, September twenty third. So, what day is that? That's Saturday.
2: Is that a Saturday or? right i think it's friday
1: Let me friday look. i don't know today's what tuesday yeah so it's friday okay and then the big show the kobe show is the sunday Next day, or sunday, sunday the
2: 25th, 25th.
1: Yeah. okay well um let's do a quick rundown here so friday show we've got uh an opener between young lions Oiwa and fujito which i feel like this is the first time in a while we've seen uh a singles match between these two guys uh Yeah, in quite a while. So, I mean, that's pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, we talked about that last week that we hadn't really seen these guys in singles action. They've been a lot of tag team stuff. We saw them against Suzuki-Gun on this tour. So, yeah, it should be pretty fun to see
1: these guys mixing it up again. Other than that, we've got uh, Fale, Chase, and Hikaleo taking on uh, Gideon Gray, Okan, and Jeff Cobb. Third match, ELP and Kenta team up to take on Bushi and Shingo Takagi. Fourth match, Taichi, Taka, and ZSJ take on the LIJ team of Romo Sonata, and Naito. Fifth match of the night, Great Bash Hill team up with Okada to take on the TMDK trio. Sixth match of the night, Tanahashi, Jado, Kishida, Tama, and Yano take on the Bull Club team of Doc Gallows, Gato, Jay White, Carl Anderson, and Taiji Ishimori. Seventh match of the night, we have an elimination tag match between six or nine teaming with Dave Finley and the DKC as they take on the United Empire team of Kanari, Francesco Akira, TJP, and Will Ospreay. And then in your main event, the never weight six-man tag team title match in a dog cage survival match, Goto, Yo, and Yoshihashi, the champions defend against the house of torture trio, of Evil, Show and Yujiro. Um, not much more kind of to add to that. I think we sort of gave our thoughts and opinions. I mean, do you have anything to add to anything on this show or the main event?
2: Uh, I mean, the, the big things here, also we're, we're getting a lot of the foreigners um, on the tour. They were supposed to be back in action this weekend, but the typhoon kind of messed that up. So they've been kind of hanging out in Japan. So, yeah, so we got, you know, Jay White, Good Brothers back in action. Will Ospreay, David Finley, all these guys. Uh, back, Doc Gallows. Yeah, uh, all these guys back on the tour. Paul um, and like, Anderson. Yeah, so Good Brothers.
1: Yeah, bro, but you need to <laughs>
2: put, respect, their names. put respect on their names. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, But yeah, the the six man main event, we kind of already talked about. Give our thoughts on that. Um, What do you think? You think Chaos retains or House of Torture gets the belts back?
1: It doesn't matter. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the one storyline that is really somewhat interesting is how Goto, Yo, and Yoshihashi are sort of pushing the merch about there not being a House of Torture and kind of alluding to the idea that they want house of torture to end yeah and that could be interesting if hypothetically this isn't a one and done this isn't the blow off but maybe potentially this is leading somewhere to where house of torture either needs to disband or i don't know maybe like there's some sort of uh match that involves a stipulation where it could affect chaos in some way. Although this seems pretty low stakes. Like for instance, I mean, just think about it. Um, I don't know if I'm Okada. I I put the hands of, or the future of my, uh, my stable in the hands of like, yo, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I would let it g- get to that point if I was him, but on the other hand, on the other side of things, I mean, evil is the leader of them shows like the junior ace of the group. You is like one of the founding members, like, if there was a stipulation like that, they seem more of an, uh, seem to be more of in a place where they could potentially put the, um, you know, the future of the stable on the line as a stipulation. Whereas I don't think like this chaos trio could really like do that unless, I don't know, Kata got involved or, you know, Rocky gave them I a- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah.
2: I mean, they do something where, you know, if, house of torture loses they have to you know disband or leave new japan you can do something where if chaos team loses they have to join house of torture and leave chaos
1: Ugh, that would suck <laughs> yeah um you know earlier in the year when strong hearts were here i really thought we were gearing up for a potential um house of torture versus strong hearts match yeah. i don't know i just kind of felt like that was a potential place that we were going and it, it never really happened and since then, these two teams have kind of traded the titles back and forth. House of Torture seems to kind of, like, dominate, you know, the never six-man field at this point. Just yeah. And the titles, you know, were a long cry from where we were, you know, a year or two ago when it was Goto, Yoshi, Hashi, and Ishii having just banger match after banger match, like, last year and the tail end of the year prior to that. So it, it's hard for me to say. I, my guess is if if hypothetically you wanted to do a storyline where House of Torture needed to put their you know existence on the line, they would need to lose. Because if they win, then they have the titles, they have the upper hand. There's no impetus for them to enter into something that's high stakes like that. Yeah. But if they lose and they want another shot down the road, that might be, you know, hey, we'll give you a shot, but if you guys lose, you're breaking up. And then, you know, maybe you do that at Wrestle Kingdom or something like that. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, they have a uh, different, couple different options that they could do, but it probably doesn't make the most sense for Chaos to win. Like you're saying, that way it kind of forces uh, the heels to kind of have to kind of beg and grovel and kind of really put something big on the line for them to to end up getting a uh, another title shot. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens with that. So, uh, moving on from there, we have the Kobe show on the 25th. And so, the opening show, opening match will be uh, ELP, Hikaleo, and Kenta versus the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu, and Chingo. We'll have a singles match with Toriano and Doc Gallows at the Bull Club team of Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens against the United Empire team of Gray O'Connor and Jeff Cobb. Dangerous Techers, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. will take on the LIJ team of Sonata and Naito. Great Bash Heel will take on Okada. Or assuming, Great Bash Heel will team with Okada, take on uh, TMDK. Then Kushida and Tamatonga will take on Jay White and Taiji Shimori. Then for the junior heavyweight tag team titles, United Empire, Francisco Car and TJP will defend against Six or Nine, Master Watto and Rizu Taguchi. Semi main event, the Never Open Title match, Carl Anderson will defend against Hiroshi Tanahashi. And then the main event, For the IWGP U.S. title, Will Ospreay will defend against David Finley. Overall thoughts on this uh, card in Kobe.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, um, it's not the greatest card in the world, but it's definitely stronger than what we've been seeing from the rest of the Burning Spirit Tour just in general. I mean, you know, sitting at the very top of the card, there's a U.S. title uh, defense from Will Ospreay and Dave Finley. There's the never openweight tile defense from Carl Anderson and Hiroshi Tanahashi, as well as the junior tag team tile defense, and then a couple other meaningful, you know, uh, like preview tags and matches on the undercard. So, all in all, this is a, a much more attractive and important show, especially taking place from Kobe than what we've seen from the remainder of the, the tour in general.
2: Yeah, this is, we mentioned earlier, this has been a pretty, like, kind of cool tour, especially coming off of, um, you know, hot G1 finals with Okada and Osprey and I think a lot of people were really, you know, excited about New Japan after that finals, and then coming to Burning Spirit, things have been a little bit slow. But, yeah, you know, since the conclusion of the tour. Big show here. Tons of title matches, tons of preview matches for the, the, the big show in October, Declaration of Power. Uh, so lots of stuff happening on this show.
1: Um. Is it still kind of a wait and see situation when it comes to Kushida teaming with Tamatanga? Has there been any update on that? No, so they're pulling him
2: off the um, the show on that's the house show on the twenty first, which is tomorrow. So I guess depending on if everything checks out by this weekend, maybe he'll be back on this show. If not, then I guess they'll have to uh, replace him with somebody.
1: Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, the undercard itself doesn't look too bad either. While there is still some, um, you know, repetitive, familiar, uh, you know, tag matches that we've seen kind of repeated throughout the tour, a couple notable things stand out. You've got your singles match between Toriano and Doc Gallows. Uh, We saw those two wrestle, I believe, the last time Doc Gallows was in Japan earlier this year. And, you know, Historically, Yano has kind of always had Doc Gallows' number. Kind of a similar situation to Yano versus Davey Boy Smith Jr. Um, Yeah,
2: Yano's pinned him twice this year, once in single, then another time in a tag.
1: Right, so you've got a big, angry, giant Doc Gallows looking to get you know his comeuppance on uh, the trickster god Toriano. So that should be... I mean, it's a Yano match, so I mean, I'm not going to hype it up and tell you it's going to be good. If you don't like Yano matches, you're not going to like it, but uh, it should be funny at the very least.
2: Yeah, and they've been keeping those matches really short, so it shouldn't be too bad.
1: Right. And then um, underneath that, you've got Folly and Chase Owens taking on Great O'Connor and Jeff Cobb, which at first glance, that might look like, oh, just your average you know, preview tag match, but... These two teams were the last two teams to hold the IWGP tag team titles before it got, you know, um, hijacked and held over in America with no defenses for like, what, three or four months now? So, yeah, you know, so, jericho yeah. Jerichoism.
2: <laughs> yeah, both of these teams are kind of jockeying for that number one contender position. Like you mentioned, Cobb and Ocon, they were not pinned to lose those titles at Forbidden Door and then Previous. Or the previous
1: or the previous time they lost it.
2: Right. And both three-way matches. Yeah, they were not pinned. Then previously Badlock Fallet and Chase Owens were also champions. So, like you mentioned, the two former champions are both kind of jockeying for a number one contender spot, hoping to face the winners of uh FTR versus Aussie Open that's happening at Royal Quest 2.
1: Yeah, and I've gotta imagine that, you know, come Monday when the IWGP committee releases their top five. You know, title contenders. This is gonna whoever wins this match is gonna skyrocket to the top of the rankings.
2: Oh, definitely. That number one spot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which like what is the top five, Jeremy?
2: Um, so <laughs> it would be um Aussie Open. <laughs> then I would say con and O Then okay. I would say or what's it? O'Con and Cobb. Uh yeah. three will be um Fale and Chase Owens. Four will be Great Bash. No, actually, no. Four will be Bad Dude, Tito, and Shane Hayes. <laughs> and, and then... Above
1: the dangerous tickers. Oh, yeah. I
2: forgot about... Oh, hold on. i got to start over. i got to start. So, one is Aussie Open. Two is Khan and Cobb. Three would be Danger... or No, three would be Fall and Chase. Four, Dangerous tickers, And then five, I'll say... Uh,
1: it's probably Sonata Naito, just based on... It, the fact that it's them, I don't know.
2: Well, they haven't been teaming in a while. I'm gonna put uh, Great Bash heel. They, they've been Great, te-
1: Great Bash Heels. Yes. <laughs> what big wins have Great Bash heel picked up in the last six months?
2: I don't know, but they're consistently teaming <laughs> together. Out, you know. <laughs> I'm sure they faced some young lions and got got a win recently in one of those matches. So what
1: about uh, what about um, like West Coast Wrecking Crew?
2: No, nah, they they lost to Aussie Open. <laughs> They're, they got to they gotta work, right. work back up to get ranked.
1: Any, anyways, so, you know, very likely that the winner of this uh, Bullet Club versus United Empire tag team match will probably be the next team in line to challenge for those titles. But the next match on the show might throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into that plan because you have another high stakes tag team match as the Dangerous Techers take on the LIJ duo of Sonata and Tetsuya Naito. And both of those teams are former champions. Both of those teams have held prominent positions in those rankings. And, the, and I'm not being facetious when I say the rankings. I mean, literally, like, they've, you know, uh, been mainstays of the uh, the heavyweight scene at different points. So there is a possibility that whichever team wins that match might be in contention for the titles as well. Maybe, you know, just to kind of give you an example, maybe we see United Empire versus, like, LIJ or Techers, down the stretch if the like if those titles aren't coming home to new japan
2: right yeah there's definitely potential for that and who knows we, we might see some other kind of multi-team like the winners of bullet club and empire versus the winners of techers and lij and another three-way
1: versus the winner of aussie open ftr remember that first year we did the show and, and the year prior they did so many tag team three ways. It was like uh,
2: God, and War, War machine, machine and
1: killer elite squad, killer elite squad. And they, they just did so many three way tags for that duo all year. It sucked.
2: Yeah, it was pretty bad,
1: um, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, and at the same time, um, you know, O'Connor and Cobb, they've proven themselves to be a great tag team in ring, but you know, I'm not that uh, bearish on Fale and Owens as a unit. I mean, separately, you know, you could definitely criticize some things here or there, but as a team in the past, just kind of judging off their performances and say like uh, World Tag Leagues and then also, you know, the recent matches they had for the title, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like they're, uh, you know, the greatest tag team. They're not the Young Bucks by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) But they're pretty serviceable when called upon to have a, a, a good tag team match, so that might be pretty good, actually.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you got Chase, who's kind of you know the, the workhorse of that team, and you, you tag Foley in for some big power spots. Him and Cobb can do some you know power exchanges there.
1: And right. I think it'll, it'll be a fun match. Um, and then the, the the match beneath it is one I'm definitely looking forward to because. Dangerous Techers versus LIJ in the early days of the pandemic. They had several really great matches together, and also that uh, three-way tag team match that they had with uh, with uh, Bishamon. So, you know, these guys are no strangers to one another. And If history tells us anything, they're probably going to have a really great tag team match, especially two, since in the, the one thing we criticized about their matches previously was the length of them. They were overly long, even though the matches were you know, deniably great. We kind of said that they need to shave like 10, 15 minutes off those matches. Right. Well, they're going to have to in this situation. So either they're going to phone it in because it's, you know, an undercard tag or they're going to go out there and really put on a great show. Plus there's still all the heat from, from uh ZSJ and Naito coming out of the G1 as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's so much, um, you know, history of all four of these guys tag team and individually, like you mentioned, Naito and Sabre, but also, you know, Naito and Taichi, there's a, there's a story there. Uh, Sonata and Sabre, they have a history. Sonata and Taichi, all these guys, there's, there's you know, you can look back and see kind of the, the story between all four of these guys, like you mentioned during the pandemic, all those tag matches. And, yeah, those matches were on, like, six-match cards. So, yeah, they got, like, you know, 25, 30 minutes. This is a nine-match card, so they're probably only going to get 20 tops. I'm sure
1: probably more more like 15. Yeah, probably less. I mean, uh, the the last four matches of the night are you got three title matches, and then you've got a major, you know, heavy slash junior title preview tag as well, which is probably going to get like at least 12 minutes. So, yeah. Um, maybe we should talk about those last four matches and just kind of move on. So, um, fourth match from the top, you've got Kushida and Tamatanga, the challengers for the titles, taking on club team of jay white and taiji Shimori. um which you know in and of itself just looks like your standard preview tag but at the same time it is interesting and they do this from time to time where none of these guys really can totally quote unquote afford to take the pinfall there's not the obvious pin eater so that brings us to a situation who do we think is taking the loss here and what what do we think is going to be the outcome of this one
2: Yeah, so this is a rematch because they they ran this during, I think it was G1 uh, final night. I think they had this match. They did, and and, I believe
1: Kushida lost. Yeah,
2: yeah, Ishimori pinned Kushida, I believe it was. Um, So I think they're trying to tell a story, like maybe Kushida is a little bit rusty and maybe not quite ready for Ishimori. Um, So I would think that you want to get Kushida heated up for this potential upcoming title challenge. So I would have Kushida pin Ishimori here or submit him to get some momentum going.
1: Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't think Tamatanga or Jay White are in a position to take a loss whatsoever. So on the junior side, it's a little bit more uh, you know, doable. And the fact that Kushida's already taken a loss in one of these preview tags, Ishimori can return the favor. I think it's going to tell us a lot here, though. Um, here's what I would say. If Kushida loses, as counterintuitive as this may seem, I think the chances of him winning the title back go up exponentially.
2: Oh, yeah, because, I mean, they've made him seem like such an underdog, and I don't think you're bringing Kushida back just to beat him like a drum. So, yeah, if he does lose again, I feel like, you know, he goes in. Ishimori super confident, lets his guard down, and that would allow Kushida to win the junior title.
1: Unless you want to destroy the character that he's currently playing and reinvent him, you could have him take loss loss And then fail. But that's like yo territory. I don't think we're trying to book that way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, On the other hand, though, if they do the more traditional booking, Kushida beats Ishimori. He gets the win back. He's heated up. Then everything's kind of out the window at that point because you could have Ishimori retain and that would be pretty typical. You could have Kushida win and that wouldn't seem too far fetched either. That's all pretty par for the course. Uh, my thinking is if he happened, if Kushida happens to lose, it's unlikely. But that's the most interesting thing that could happen because it probably indicates he's winning the the title back.
3: Yeah.
2: So I'm looking at the uh, junior tag team title match, United Empire and six or nine. United Empire, these guys have been cleaning house of Naguchi this whole tour. They've had their number.
1: Yeah, and they've been booking TJP pretty strong on the U.S. side of things as well, on Strong. I know it doesn't perfectly correlate to the kayfabe of New Japan domestic, but there is some crossover there, and uh, they've made him look great. Yeah, he's uh, getting
2: a uh, a strong title match on this uh, tour that's airing right now.
1: Right. As far as 6 or 9 go, they have looked cohesive as a unit, but they they've really just been telling a story where these guys – are not as good as francesco akira and tjp in almost every sense of of the you know the word uh this other team is more flashy um in some ways more experienced uh more technical uh if you compare like tjp as the senior of the team and compare him to Teguchi, he's got more successes more world traveled he's younger faster better shape yeah. better shape and and francesco akira in some ways is kind of the same way as as well so in order for wato and taguchi to beat this team they're going to have to come together cohesively and you know it's sort of like <laughs> that famous hockey match from the uh the 80s you know olympic team the you know the miracle on ice you know is team usa going be, <laughs> to be able to beat this uh these Russians that's what this is really coming down to you know and if if six or nine can pull one out it's going to be a miracle and you got to ask yourself do you believe or not you know you believe they, in Watto
2: you know what they really need what's that they need a matching gear
1: you know that is probably something I mean they got a matching name they don't have matching gear if they come out with matching they come out matching gear. they'll probably still lose but it would be cooler <laughs> <laughs> so because so- because TJP and uh Francesco Akira, they have like not just matching colors, they got like matching gear. Like it's the same gear. Dude, it's pretty cool. All of United Empire,
2: all their gear all match, same color pattern, same like material, same designs, All, all seen in different like cutout styles, like singlets for shorts and all that stuff. But yeah, they all they all look great together.
1: Here's what's gonna happen. Uh United Empire team is gonna retain Okay, then in the next coming month, uh, the strong champions are going to beat FTR, you know, using flips, not fists, (laughs) to win the titles. (laughs) And then they're going to book the, you know, New Japan World Tag Team Triple Crown title match between all four members of United Empire. And we're going to do a finger poke of doom spot and these uh you know TJP is going to lay down for uh you know big daddy dunkzilla and Aussie Open within less than a year being in the company they're just going to have all three titles
2: so you're saying we're going to a four away with uh TJP and Akira Aussie Open Corbin O'Con or- No they're
1: factored out. Oh they're out. So- they're not even in factored in. This is they're going to get paid step-aside money by the IWGP committee. Hold off on your... You're still going to get a title shot, but this is a big-money match between all the main Gaijin players in United Empire. Big-money match. You guys step aside, let us have the big match. Then you can come in and challenge us as number of contenders later on. Happens in boxing all the time.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know know if that's going to (laughs) happen.
1: Well, if I was
2: booking, that's exactly what would happen. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I I think, I mean, honestly, it's a junior titles. It it can go either way, but I would like to see Akira and TJP retain. Also, I would like to see them as champions going into super junior tag league.
1: That's what I was going to say. Like, uh, obviously that is coming up in like what? November. Yeah. Okay. What are they going to do in the interim? Is there anybody that you can think of that might be good challengers on this, you know, next to last tour before the Super Junior Tag League? I mean, there's
2: always Despi and Kanamaru. You could do Kanamaru and Doki. Uh, Does any of that
1: seem likely to you? I mean, I'm just trying to think as a booker, like, uh, you know, putting the serious hat on. I mean, on the one hand, if, if six or nine win... Then we could run this match back the next month, which is something that they like to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if uh, you know if um, United Empire wins, they need new challengers, and I don't really know who's
2: next. Yeah, I don't really feel like anybody's really been angling for a shot. I mean, Despy's not really doing anything in New Japan right now. He's kind of on the back burner. So unless Despy's going to challenge, yeah, there's Hiromu. That's right. You could do Hiromu and Bushi. I do feel like in a multi-man match, I feel like Kevin Kelly didn't mention them potentially being teaming up again. Um, so yeah, you could do Hiromu and Bushi. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. This one. Um, but regardless of the of the outcome, I've enjoyed their matches in the past. Hopefully, this one uh, improves upon what we've seen, you know, previously, and we get some really good junior action. And you know, um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of what uh Francesco Akira and Wato have to offer so hopefully this will be another step for both of them in their journey and we can kind of glean what the future prospects for both of those guys are yeah um uh, and then we have uh the semi-main event which is the Never Openweight ta- uh, title match Machine Gun Carl Anderson versus Hiroshi Tanahashi and I don't know this one feels fucking weird just because Carl Anderson he hasn't been back since before the G1. Like, when was the last time he was in the company? Was it June, uh, July? G-
2: no, I think he, they were there for G1 finals.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, okay, they were. They showed up in a tag match, but I'm talking about, like, in a meaningful match that actually, you know what I mean? Like, a Yeah, it, match it, it would matter.
2: be Dominion, right?
1: Yeah, 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 it was Dominion, so it was, like, June. So, it's been a, a long time. Uh, I don't know, man.
2: Dude, I just don't understand why they put the Never title on him if he wasn't going to be in G1, if he wasn't going to be on on undercard to heat something up. It's so they could push
1: um, Tama Tama Tonga without without having the Never belt on him at the same time. Right, well, get somebody that's there in Japan to beat Tama then. Hey, better said than done, you know, easier said than done. I mean, who would you have, like,
2: Juice? Yeah, I mean, I guess so, yeah. give Gives you something since
1: he's supposed to be getting this big push. <laughs> That's too much. That's too much good things happening for Juice. We need to keep him down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I don't know. But, yeah. I mean, it's easy to criticize, but there have been weird, wonky things going on with the titles. I mean, Carl Anderson's had the Never Belt and been gone for months and months and months. FTR win the IWGP heavyweight tag titles you know, at forbidden door. We haven't, when was that June?
3: Yeah.
2: And then when they were on, they haven't defended, right. And they were on us New Japan shows and they still didn't defend
1: them. They didn't defend it on the U S show. They haven't been on strong. They haven't been on any of the U S pay-per-views. Not that there've been that many, but they haven't been, well, the one that they're on, they didn't defend the title. And then, uh, you know, they haven't even defended them in like AEW or on the indies or anything. So, that's felt weird and then the whole thing with the u.s belt this year has just been really weird and all the like ups and downs and who's the champion and this guy's got a belt he's not the champion and we're vacating but now we're filling it blah 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 so i don't know some of these titles have just felt weird this year
3: yeah it's
2: not been the best situation for some of these uh other titles uh but you know here if i'm new japan i don't know I really don't see anything, any interest in really keeping the belt on Carl Anderson. I would put the belt back on Tanahashi.
1: I would, too. Uh, and then it would, you know, at the same time, you you really got to ask yourself once it's all said and done. If Carl if Anderson wins, it's like, OK, well, why? What's next? What are the plans? Maybe they have plans. We don't we might not know. But then if he loses, it's like, great, it's on Tanahashi, but what's next for Tanahashi? I guess we'll figure that out. But why did you guys even put the belt on the dude if he was just going to be, you know, a modern-day, you know, transitional champion a la Ivan Koloff or some shit? Yeah. You know, he's just the Iron Sheik. He's a guy to win the belt and lose it to the next guy. Yeah, and I'm sure,
2: obviously, with World Tag League coming up, I'm sure the Good Brothers will probably end up being in that, so you don't really need... Carl Anderson holding the never title being in world tag league. Well, there's a little secret,
1: Jeremy. Hmm. You don't really need the good brothers at all. That, that, that true. Yeah. <laughs> 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 kind of run their course, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, um, do we have high hopes that this match will be really good? I mean, it is Tanahashi. And I mean, Carl Anderson hasn't shown it since he came back, but you know, there's rumors of this mythical great Carl Anderson singles guy that, Really can turn it on when he's there. He didn't right. do it with that, Tam- that, Tamatanga. That tries
2: but... when when it's on the big stage.
1: Yeah, but he is in there with Tanahashi, one of the all time greats. You know, he's seen better days, but he can still turn it on when he's ready to. I mean, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think Tanahashi with the never title going into Wrestle Kingdom season makes a lot of sense. You know, he's going to be on the card. Put him in a never title match. I think that would that works for me. But what I'm
1: asking is, do you think the match will be good? this match yeah is Carl going to be able to turn it on and you know rewind the clock and be the guy that everyone claims he is when he when you know when the lights turn on and he's standing across from the ace of the universe
2: I'm I'm going to predict a three and a half star match
1: that's your over under yeah okay that's a good number so we'll see I'm not really sold on it I'm going to agree with you on the uh the outcome I think we're looking at, at a Tanahashi win but uh as far as the match quality all bets are off at this point yeah main event though you got will osprey the current reigning u.s champion defending his belt against dave finley if we recall he lost his g1 match to dave finley who was at the time holding the physical title belt although will osprey was the champion and he leveraged his win in the G1 to basically hand the title back and say, the next time you defend that belt, I want my shot. And at, after the G1 finals were over and Osprey lost in the G1 finals to Okada, he was accosted backstage by a quote-unquote babyface, a fiery, fired-up, <laughs> fighting spirit <laughs> babyface David Finley, who accosted this man when he was in a weakened state and told him, I want my fucking match. So... Here we are, finally. We're I, getting the match.
2: I heard David uh, pulled Osprey's hair and bit him.
1: Well, in all fairness, there was a dog backstage. And <laughs> Ishi Great, great O'Connor was trying to save the dog. <laughs> so, I don't know. But, um, yeah, you know, the funny thing is, I think Dave Finley and Osprey, I think Osprey is one of Dave Finley's best opponents that he's ever had i wouldn't say the same thing about dave in return for osprey but you know it's it's hard to be one of those guys when you look at the body of work he has and it's you know a who's who of great you know wrestlers especially in japan and uh and the uk as well yeah but they've had very good matches but i personally seem to never be as high on the matches as just the general population is, for whatever reason, people really love the Dave Finley and Will Osprey matches, and I'm I'm a little bit cooler on them than others.
2: Yeah, I really like the the New Japan Cup 2021 match where Finley kind of got that he uh, got the big upset um, going into that tournament. Was uh, that
1: the? Did he beat Osprey in that match, or he was
2: coming well, he, off of the win? Yeah, he beat Jay, but then he ended up losing the Osprey.
1: See, I liked. I think. Uh, and I'm also the low man on this. I liked the J match where he won better than the Osprey match. Mm. But I thought they were both very good. Yeah. And I happened to like that Osprey match better than this most recent G1 match where everyone was raving about
2: it. Yeah, I liked the New Japan Cup match better than the G1 match. And honestly, like this Kobe match, it to me, I'm getting very similar vibes to Resurgence. Um, So... Or rewind the clock that's back. Not good, that's not a good. I, that's not a good thing to say. I know. So we're wind the clock back. Twenty twenty one. We're talking about Finley getting these big upset. The New Japan Cup because this big push. He's supposed to face Jay White for the NEVER title in like uh, April or May. Pandemic happens. Gaijin unrest happens. Uh, they're away from Japan. And August they have resurgence. And Finley came into that match cold. Nobody really cared about that match. Nobody cared about Finley. Everybody was behind Jay White. They wanted to see Jay beat this man and get over with. I, I feel we're very... It's simple. not the same. It's, it's, not, not, the it's same. not
1: quite the same, but... Gee, it's what? not even kind of the same. Okay, like, let's... Devil's advocate, let's talk about the opposite end of it. Where were Jay White and David Finley feuding in the lead-up to that match? Nowhere. It Well, they were, in Impact. Well, yeah, barely though. Which, which pretty much means nowhere. No one was watching that shit. Yeah. They were feuding in Impact, and that was supposed to somehow translate to the LA market. And all those fans were literally Jay White and Bullet Club fans, like hardcore. They weren't even New Japan fans, really. We were there live. It was mostly New Japan or uh, Bullet Club and Jay White fans. So when Jay White came in, he got a hero's welcome. Like you would have thought he was and montreal or some shit <laughs> you know if the if that match had happened if they had built the match in japan and then had the match in japan i don't think the crowds would have reacted that way and in the same way i even though yes i agree with you this match hasn't necessarily had a hot build because neither guy has been on the tour
2: right and that's my point also i don't think as far as the crowd reaction it's going to be that but just like the feeling of the match it's like they shot the angle last month at the NG one. Both these guys haven't been on the tour. They haven't done anything on strong at all with these guys. And now, That's fair. now and they're social media either. Right. And now they're back on the tour. And also there's gonna be some preview matches this week, but this match doesn't feel hot anymore. And to me, I think it's pretty obvious Osprey's gonna win. Like I'd be surprised if Finley were to beat Osprey here.
1: Yeah, and I mean if the the rumors are to be believed and they're angling to potentially do a big money Osprey Omega match either at the dome or elsewhere for the title. You kind of need Osprey to retain to, to make that happen. Of course that, that match wouldn't necessarily need that U S belt, but I think it's made a little bit more compelling when that belt is part of the narrative, considering the history of it with Kenny Omega and everything like that. Right. Uh, this actually kind of reminds me more of like when uh, giving you an, an illustration. It reminds me of when Omega had the belt and lost in the G1 to Juice. Mm. And then Juice got the challenge. And it wasn't really a hot match necessarily, but it happened. And Omega got the win back. And this is, you know, this is a, a, a Gato staple of booking. And I, I agree with you. I don't think that this is a, a hot match. I just. What I wanted to say was, I don't think we're gonna see like the crowd turn right on Dave Finley yeah, but, the way that they did in L.A. Like that was that was horrible. Right.
2: Yeah. This Kobe crowd's not gonna turn on Finley, and they're not gonna be a lot of cheer anyway. Uh, right. But
1: but they'll 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 clap. Right, appropriately. They'll,
2: yeah. They'll clap for Finley, but I just feel like this match is like lukewarm at this point. Like it lost all its steam, and I don't know. It's just it seems like an obvious kind of thing. Like Osprey's is gonna win this. Well, maybe.
1: This week, they do some interesting angles and and promos and stuff to kind of put a little bit more juice in it, like the corn, you know? (laughs) It has the juice. It has the juice.
2: (laughs) Uh, And then also, you know, we talked about this U.S. title, you know, needing some stability. We've been saying that for a long time now, even before all the rigmarole happened this year with the injuries and COVID and all that stuff. Um, So if I were them, I would – give Ospreay a nice, you know, lengthy run with this
1: title to help elevate it and give it some stability. Well, I mean, I I guess we can get there when we get there, but I've got my own ideas about, well, I've already said it on the show before. I think that when he wrestles Kenny, he's losing the belt Mm. because he has had it since May. That's the thing. It doesn't feel like he's had it since May because he, like, literally wasn't holding the physical belt the whole time, you know? Right. They did that whole weird stuff during the G one, but I mean, realistically, he's held the belt. And if it wasn't May, it was. I think it you was, know. wasn't was it Dominion he, where he beat Sonata? Okay, yeah, yeah. He was supposed to wasn't supposed to something supposed to happen in May, and then they had to move it. I can't, I can't remember. It's hard to keep up with what's yeah, taking yeah, place. Yeah, he had like the
2: lip, the liver,
1: uh, thing. Uh, but still, that's like what July.
2: So he won it back because it was after because it was supposed oh, to be. My God.
1: Yeah, we can't even. We can't even I, keep it I, straight. I don't know who any of the <laughs> champions in this company are
0: anymore.
2: Well, it's supposed to be um, him versus Juice, and then it ended up being him versus Sonata.
1: I'm gonna look. So he so Tanahashi had the belt and he held it from May first. So he Tanahashi won the belt. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be. Sonata versus Will Ospreay, right back in April, and then Sonata got hurt and the title got vacated. Then they did the Fuku. Then the Fukuoka match was supposed to happen, and that was in May. It was going to be Tanahashi and Ospreay. Then Ospreay couldn't do the match, so it ended up being Tanahashi versus Ishii. Right, yeah. Ta- Tanahashi won the belt. Then they did the four way with Juice and him and Mox and Ospreay, and Juice won the belt in may then he had to vacate the belt in june so the belt got vacant again and then will won it in june on june 12th and that was in osaka yeah dominion yeah and he beat yeah he beat sonata so my thinking is that if he retains this and he like let's say he goes all the way to january 4th which i think is what they're angling for i mean that's six seven months that he'll have been champion by that point yeah which definitely the title needs that right although in all fairness he's only had one title defense in that whole time this will be a second which isn't a lot but you kind of give him a little bit of the uh the g1 you know all the champions are really not defending during that time period anyways right but i mean that's a pretty tumultuous history this past year i mean we had to literally do a rundown of all the times it got vacated and who won and who and didn't also and buy, not to mention
2: but... juice stealing the title um from right. osprey and he held the belt physically going into G1 and Finley stole the belt from him um and then finally get it back to osprey so even when osprey had it it's, it's still kind of confusing on who the champion was with
1: everybody stealing the belt correct and that's and uh, like i feel like that a lot of this has hurt the credibility of the title um, in a certain respect. And I mean, you, t- you look at who the champions have been, like the last few champions. You got Moxley, Archer, Tanahashi, Kenta, Tanahashi, Sonata, Tanahashi, Juice, Will Ospreay. That's not any kind of shabby list of guys. Those are some really great champions. But the circumstances surrounding how, when, who, what, where, and why make it to where none of their title reigns really felt very meaningful outside of the last time this title meant something was when Moxley held the belt, you know? Yeah. And people complained because he didn't defend it for like a year. So if I'm telling you that the last time this title really felt important was the guy who didn't defend it for a year was holding it. That kind of tells you what, what kind of state (laughs) U S title reign is in. And I'm sorry if we're being negative, but, I can't sit here and tell you everything's peaches and cream with the U.S. title situation if it's not. And it's not.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's,
2: it's, <laughs> We'd be lying. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty bad. Um, Probably the worst title scene we've seen in quite some time uh, with titles in New Japan. And so it's just been a hot well, mess.
1: Well, Jeremy, everything seems to have gotten kind of bad when it comes to the U.S. and the never scene once they got rid of the white belt yeah and it it still feels like there's a void there, and we're still not really sure which of these belts is the more meaningful secondary title. I guess it feels like probably Osprey since he's you know one of the top guys holding it, but the way and a lot of this isn't new Japan's fault to be fair, a lot of this was circumstances outside of their control. That's why we call it the curse of the u s belt, but um yeah, I think that. Long story short, I think he needs to retain to uh, lend, lend some credibility. But I kind of feel bad saying that because at the same time, like it's been a, a, a long time coming for David Finley to potentially capitalize on his pushes and his runs in New Japan. And everyone was talking about how much more improved he was coming out of the G1. Is there any part of you that feels like maybe they need to do something with that? Or is that for not?
2: I mean, yeah, I guess there is a part of me that that would I, I could I could I could see that you know they're doing a ton of interviews on the website with him <laughs> right now. There's this kind of big push that they're kind of going with him, and yeah, it's kind of like, all right, what are, what are we doing with Finley? Like, you gotta do something with him. Um, so if they want him to win here to kind of catapult him, you know, going into dome season, I guess. But for me, and how,
1: how bad do you think that he is looking at the? the like landscape of wwe right now and thinking like damn i should have gone to nxt when i had the
2: chance <laughs> yeah i i don't know if uh david finley's on paul Avec's, you know hot list
1: to bring in yeah um, but paul Avec is on david finley's hot list to go in <laughs> <laughs> remember he wanted to chill with, with paul and sean
2: yeah he did uh so yeah i, I don't know what they do with david finley hey
1: at least this time when he's doing media, he's not burying the company and talking about going to NXT like he did last year.
3: Yeah.
2: It's we to- forgot
1: about that detail. Yeah, it's a totally
2: different landscape right now. And yeah, I don't think he has as many options maybe as he thought he did last year.
1: The worst burial of a company since CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But um, top to bottom, this should be a good... I don't know if it'll be a great show, but it's definitely going to be, you know, exponentially better than what we've seen on the the rest of the tour so far.
2: Yeah, I mean, easily will be the best show of the tour.
1: Easily. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, um that is going to do it for our preview of Burning Spirit. Let's kick it over to New Japan of America.
2: Yes, yeah, so this past Saturday, the Fighting Spirit Unleashed Tour continued On New Japan World The show opened up We had the wingman's Peter Avalon Making his NJPW Strong debut Defeating Adrian Quest 8 minutes and 52 seconds Then following that We had the return To America of Filthy Tom Lawler after his Run in the G1 This summer in Japan So Filthy Tom Lawler teaming up with his team filthy stablemate J.R. Kratos. They defeated the team of Cody Chun and Jordan Cruz at 9 minutes and 54 seconds. And then in the big main event of the show, we had the Bullet Club team of Chase Owens, Hikuleo, Switchblade, Jay White, and rock-hard Juice Robinson. They defeated the team of Kushida, rapungi vice and taylor rust 14 minutes and 46 seconds josh what do you think about this week's episode
1: of strong you know i i I took a look at the lineup and i really really wanted to watch this week's episode of strong i mean peter avalon
2: ppa all day
1: yeah i mean there was just so i mean adrian quest team filthy cody chun come on (laughs) So much that I wanted to see here, but I just couldn't mm. squeeze this episode into my skin. I had so many other things to watch, you know, uh, the Nagata show, mm. the the Never Six Man tag, Just Tap Out. There was a show <laughs> recently. There was a lot going on.
2: Uh, so I'll, I'll give some quick thoughts here. Um, Avalon Adrian Quest, uh, fun matchup. Avalon working on Adrian Quest's leg for the m- uh, majority of the match to set up his uh submission finisher, but ends up getting the win with his uh double knees, his Meteora, what he calls the Martini's. Um, so like I mentioned, Avalon's first uh match at New Japan Strong. How is Adrian Quest looking? he's looking good. Uh, Young Fuego, he was doing a lot of cool flips and dives in this matchup. Um, you know. The AEW rub helps Peter Avalon here because, I mean, Adrian Quest has been on strong for a while, but PPA gets the win here, It's first to Japan strong match. So I'm wondering if we're going to see more of him going forward.
1: Last time he was on AEW just recently, he, was, he took his shirt off. And even though he's still like, uh, you know, he's kind of like a, I don't know what the correct terminology is, but, you know, he's like a, I don't want to say skinny because he's muscular, but he's not a huge guy. But yeah, he's put on a ton of muscle. Like he was fucking shredded, bro. Like he would he never looked like this before. And like I was it was for some sort of squash spot where it was when uh I think Wardlow came out. Yeah, Wardlow or someone came out and like Peter Avalon made sure to take his shirt off <laughs> before he got choke slammed or or whatever happened. And I was like, damn bro, like he's in incredible shape. I'm trying to, you know, get yoked like Peter Avalon, bro. Yeah, like,
2: he, he was in great shape for this match as well, um, looking ripped and yeah, got the big win um team filthy match um the, the G1 worked uh filthy Tom Lawler got a big pop the crowd was doing his clap that he was doing in Japan
0: uh nice.
2: team filthy pretty much wrestled this match pretty much as babyfaces faces even Jr Kratos the crowd was behind Kratos um and he was doing some big uh monster spots to some of these guys and Filthy really Tom uh Tom there's a lot of heat on Tom and get the hot tag in Kratos to kind of clean house and then both these guys are doing some uh, cool double teams to Cody Chun and Jordan Cruz and then uh, towards the end, uh, Kratos hit his big finish on Cody Chun to get the win for them.
1: And then. That... To me, Team Filthy is like the modern day four horsemen. Like, you can have a million variations, but like, you can't have the horsemen unless Flair is the main guy and you got Arn as the enforcer. That's kind of how it works for me. Like, if Team Filthy just always stays Kratos as the monster. And, you know, he could even be a titleist, doesn't matter to me, but like, uh, you know, that credible, you know, juggernaut, and then the main mouthpiece, the main front front man is, you know, filthy Tom Lawler. You could just have whoever come in and go out of the team. I don't care about the iteration. (laughs) It's like, those are the guys, their team filthy.
2: Yeah. And they did did tease that those guys could potentially, you know, work their way up the ranks to challenge for the strong Open weight tag team titles.
1: Well, I'm sure that the uh, Strong Committee is paying attention and they're updating their rankings every Monday as well. Oh yeah, which the top five are. No, I'm just playing. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I actually I don't know. They don't have that many teams.
2: I, I mean, don't think. I mean, so you got uh, the <laughs> West, the West Coast Wrecking Crew.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh.
2: You got um, Stray Dog Army. <laughs> <laughs> You got uh, DKC and Kevin Knight. No. <laughs> you got the uh, the Midnight Heat.
1: They don't. They're not in the. They're not, they've only had two appearances. TMDK and they, and they only work when they're in California. TMDK. Okay, I mean, I guess
2: Christ- this is bullshit. Fallen Angel and Yu Yamura. <laughs> He's suspended.
1: No, no,
2: no. He, he got cleared. Yeah, he, he's cleared. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, then this mo- this main event here, um, with Bullet Club versus uh, Kashida, Rapungi Vice, and Taylor Rust. Um, just kind of continuing, um, kind of the Bullet Club history with uh Rapungy Vice Ishimori was at ringside, so kind of building the the match of Ishimori and Kashida here as well. There was some miscommunication here between Jay White and Hikaleo. And there oh seemed to be bad. some uh, tension there. Um, and Hikaleo was going to get the win, but then Jay made him tag in. So he tagged in, hit the Blade Runner, got the win. And then post-match cut a promo, talking about, you know, he had to come in to straw and to clean up the mess, and that people need to remember he's the leader. Um, don't be like Tama Tonga. Uh, he's going to beat Tama, blah, blah, blah. Kind of, you know, continuing to build that matchup and clearly kind of shooting some kind of coded shot at Hikaleo as well. So th- it's well you know,
1: Hikaleo's a whole ho, bro. <laughs> you know, you let your brothers get beat up by this man and then you still follow him around. Like you're co opted, dude.
2: Right. And then and then Jay beat him and so now he's
1: just you know tuck his tail and Yeah, you're a lackey dude.
2: <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. Get that money. But uh <laughs> who do they beat Taylor Rust?
2: Yes, yeah, uh Blade Runner on Taylor Rust.
1: Gotcha. I heard that this match was pretty good, actually.
2: Yeah, this is a really fun match. The crowd was super into it. Um, big pops for obviously the Bull Club team, Rapungi Vice getting big pop, Kushida, big pop. Um, so yeah, crowd's really into this. Really fun back and forth guys were hitting spots all throughout the match. Um, that led to that the finish share where uh yeah, Jay got in, hit the, hit the blade runner on Taylor
1: Rust. You know, one other thing too, and I wanted to mention this earlier, with the whole Speculation about the house of torture and if they were to disband, one has to wonder what would potentially happen if something like that happened. Would they re amalgamate into the bullet club, which they are technically a part of, or would they go their separate ways and find different things to do? And if there is going to be a bull club civil war, which we're still not sure if that ever will be something how are they going to factor into it so i think that those are still some lingering things to think about regarding that whole situation as well
2: yeah i'm not sure we're ever going to get you know the bull club civil war 2.0 uh like
1: 6.0 at this point (laughs) (laughs) awesome well that is going to do it so this coming week we have fighting spirit unleashed uh what night is this like night Night, night three yep okay and uh, we got four matches on the docket. So QT Marshall is returning to take on one Kida. We have Christopher Daniels and Yuya Uemura teaming up to take on the TMDK team of Shane Hayes and Mikey Nichols. I guess you're right. They're, they're back, you know. I told in you. In the rankings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we got Ren Narita as he takes on Jacob Austin Young. I've never heard of this individual.
2: Yeah, I think this is his strong debut. Uh, so I'll be interested to see what he's got.
1: And then uh, Dream Match Alert main event you got Taiji Ishimori against the man that ended Kenny Omega's career, <laughs> Allen, formerly known as Five of the Dark Order Angels. So that's a that's a cool match actually.
2: Yeah, that should be a fun match. It'd be cool to see Allen Angels in New Japan. I think he's definitely a guy that they could utilize on strong, and then also bring in uh, in the junior division, bring him in to Best Super Juniors, bring him in for tile challenges.
1: Nice. Well, that is going to do it for NJPW of America. So let me, uh, real quick, let me take a a sip of my Hefeweizen. Ah, The Steve Weiser. And uh, let's jump into the news. So uh, first thing on the docket here, New Japan revenue, as expected with larger attendances, then the previous two years, due to the pandemic, is up. Bushi Road in its annual report was vague as they listed New Japan and Stardom together, having grossed 5.599 million yen, about 39 million dollars US, over the 11th month period from August 4th or August 1st, 2021, to June 30th, 2022. So, even though we don't have the exact number breakdowns. That's uh, definitely a positive sign across the board for both companies.
2: Yeah, and there are more numbers in the Wrestling Observer newsletters where these stats came from. And so, yeah, obviously, business is kind of in a, an upswing here. Also, like we mentioned, with being back from the pandemic, and we know that New Japan, they've been trying to get as many butts in seats as possible to make up for lost revenue. So, with the combination of that and the way stardom has been going, things are looking up for the Bushi Road Wrestling properties.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, at this point, if all the reports that we've received are to be believed, uh, it looks like stardom is, has surpassed both Dragon Gate and Noah to kind of be seated as the current number two promotion in all of Japan, men or women's. Yeah. So, yeah, Road doing it big. Um, next bit of news, New Japan announced the second October pay-per-view for New York City. Uh, the the promotion has announced the night before Rumble on 44th Street. It will be a Halloween special for Thursday, October 27th at the Palladium Times Square, a day before the Rumble on 44th Street pay-per-view in the same building. Both events will be available for purchase on Fight TV with a bundle package also available to be purchased for both events. So, you know, uh, we talked about this where they sold out in you know record time for the first show, and it seemed that they were... A little bit bearish and probably put themselves in too small a venue especially in the new york market at that time of the year and i think they're trying in some way to potentially rectify that by adding a second show the only issue i have with them adding the second show at this late of a date without a forewarning is for all the people that maybe their you know travel plans don't correspond with this it, it kind of throws things like wonky you know
2: yeah it's like if you were just expecting to come in to new york city for that you know the main 44th street pay view, and then all of a sudden this one gonna kind of get spring it's like do you have the availability that the money the time to go to that show um i, I know they've sold some tickets for the, the the uh the additional night but it hasn't sold out yet so i guess we'll see if that sells out as well yeah, I definitely think they they went too small on the building, especially in that New York market, a big wrestling city. Uh, Obviously, they shouldn't have done Madison Square Garden. That would have been too big. But I feel like there were some other arenas a little bit bigger that they could have done just a one-night show and got a bigger house.
1: Yeah, well, the other thing, too, is you're asking the individuals that are there who are already paying for a ticket to now double dip and pay for a second ticket. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, if you were selling just one large venue the first time, it wouldn't be the same people paying double the price unless you know they had higher ticket prices. It, you you would assume it would be more people paying. So you're kind of getting I don't know. Hopefully the shows are good. Obviously, um, you know I haven't been very high on some of those fight TV productions for good reason. Although they did seem to work the kinks out the last, you know, couple pay-per-views, you know, largely. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if this was great marketing. Plus, after all the, like, hype about the first show, you know, it's a big, big return to New York. We're going to have stardom featured, and they, they sold out on the hype, but there's no card attached to it. Then the buzz was, well, they were... You know too conservative and we don't really know what we're getting and i feel like maybe some of that that after effect of what occurred after the first sale took place might also be causing some people to be like well let's just wait and see what the card even looks like before i buy these tickets
2: right i also think it stinks too just for the the watching uh consumer who's going to watch this pay-per-view now you have to buy two pay-per-views instead of just one
1: yeah or you could look at it at a more optimistic view. you get to buy two paper views <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there's also the you know sometimes the first show uh is like seen as inferior, you know, like a preview yeah, and, it, and if you're like, damn, I didn't get to go to the first show but or to the to the big show, but I get to go to like its little brother the the night before but I, you know, I don't know i I just think that there's some uh some things there that might cause the uh general public to not be so inclined to jump on those tickets right away and this isn't us being critical like the numbers don't lie they didn't sell out immediately like they did for the first show right so um hopefully they do well there and uh hopefully those shows are are good and fun and you know can't wait to see them uh G1 climax semifinals will be airing Thursday on access TV as Naito and and Osprey wrestle and uh, that will also they'll also be airing the Okada and Tamatanga match on access Uh, you know those New Japan on access numbers haven't been doing so hot since they returned
2: yeah it was not what was back in the day Um, I mean they're still getting some viewers so um, it's some exposure
1: (laughs) we're talking a big game we're like damn dog they did a replay and y'all beat impact This is incredible. When they come back, they're going to mop you, boys. Nope, it has not been that way at all. No, not at all. (laughs) And the synergy has not helped whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah. There's not a huge crossover of people. You know what I think a lot of it is? is like, if you want to watch New Japan, most people have New Japan World that want to watch New Japan.
2: Right, yeah. At this point, like, why wait a month? Like, these are old matches. Like, a month old matches. Why are you going to wait? watch it on access when you just get new japan world and just watch it live when it happened or watch the replay
1: there i wonder if they're still airing on roku dude who even knows (laughs) well the video quality is a lot better i will say that Mm. but uh um other fun exciting news in the battle of eras tatsumi fujinami age 68 will do a singles match on december 1st at the yogi gym in tokyo against the ace of the universe hiroshi tanahashi Tamahashi grew up idolizing Fujinami. So the show is promoted by Fujinami's tradition promotion, which uses uses a lot of New Japan stars from the 80s. So uh it's been quite a while since Fujinami has worked a full-on, you know, outright singles match. And uh I'm this isn't quote unquote his retirement match by any means, but this definitely kind of gives me some of those um Tenru versus Okada vibes from, you know, a few years back when he retired. Uh, but it is a uh, it's a major match because like like uh the notes say here, Tanahashi did grow up idolizing Fujinami. They're two of the most important names in all of Porarizu history. And, you know, it is a generational match of like the ace of the eighties taking on the ace of like the two thousands and tens. Um, something that I never thought would happen. And it's gonna be very interesting to see how how the match you know turns out i mean fujinami i don't i think he's obviously seen much better days, but for a guy his age, i thought he i feel like uh in his recent um you know outings in new Japan he's been more impressive than you would think from someone that's sixty eight
2: yeah we've seen him a handful of times this year you know celebrating the fiftieth anniversary of new japan he's been in several multi man matchups but yeah for a sixty eight year old um, he's, you know, looked pretty decent and, um, can Kale still put a match together, still hit those dragon screws. And so also with a guy like Tanahashi, you know, both these guys are master workers. And I think, um, Tanahashi, even though, you know, Tanahashi on the downswing, I think he can still be able to put a match together to deal with Fujinami's, um, you know, downswing and put something together. That's really fun.
1: Uh, we had something else here on the docket but i don't have enough information to really expound on it so i'm going to skip over that maybe when we uh get some more clarification we can talk about it um but in other news this coming thursday we have the strong tag team champs aussie open as they face off against the motor city machine guns in a number one contenders match for the i for (laughs) for the impact wrestling tag team titles at bound for glory so hypothetically We could have a situation where these guys, Aussie Open, end up being triple crown champions anyways. They could win the Impact World titles, hold the strong titles, and regain the IWGP titles from FTR on behalf of New Japan, making them triple champions simultaneously.
2: Yeah, I mean, that is a possibility. That would be pretty cool. Aussie Open, these guys have been having a great year. They're a phenomenal tag team. Uh, One of my favorite teams to watch this year. So, yeah, it'd be pretty cool.
1: And then um, last bit of news, Red Pro Saturday, October 22nd. Minoru Suzuki is confirmed to be making his return and wrestling against Dan Maloney. Is that part of the uh, British J-Cup?
2: I think so. On the graphic, there was no show title, so I'm not sure. Okay, So it might be a part of that whole British J-Cup weekend.
1: One other thing, it's not on the news here. Do we want to talk about the recent Chris Dickinson news?
2: Sure, yeah, we can talk about that. So uh, Chris Dickinson, as most of you should know by now, Chris Dickinson, he did a, a a surprise angle at one of the strong tapings where he attacked Fred Rosser after the Fred Rosser-TJP title match, and then on the tapings after that, they did a Fred Rosser versus Chris Dickinson strong title match. Now, for both of those tapings, they did not advertise Chris Dickinson, and it's kind of one of those situations where it seems like New Japan is trying to, you know, skirt around the controversy. Um, as you know, Dickinson, he um, is dealing with some sexual um, abuse. Um, I think it's uh, physical abuse mostly. Yeah, physical abuse uh, claims from former um, partners and. Uh, the, the, it's in court right now he, He's suing them and there's a whole court case You know that's happening for that And during when that news came out You know New Japan he had just signed A, a contract with New Japan but then they Stopped using him and it was Brought up in all the lawsuit stuff That you know that his contract was pretty much You know made null because New Japan wasn't booking him Um, But it just seems kind of sketchy With the way they kind of went around Not advertising him and, and uh, you know from their standpoint, they could say, well, we didn't want to spoil the angle of him attacking Rosser. And then the, the angle hasn't aired, so we don't want to advertise that he's going to be at the taping. So we don't want people to, be, quote, unquote, be spoiled that he's going to be the next strong uh tile challenger.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is some, quote, unquote, deniability, of course, uh considering... New Japan's history of like protecting their kayfabe show to show by all means, that is a possibility, but you have to consider what it looks like for the consumer. Um, and I mean, when you are spending your money to attend a show and there's a wrestler for better or for worse, whether you think he's the worst person in the world, whether you don't care what happened, whether you're indifferent, uh whether you're convinced that he is guilty putting all that aside if he's not advertised for the show you have no way as a consumer to determine for yourself whether you are want to make the choice to vote with your your money and your dollars as to whether you want to attend the show and see him um And so they kind of took that power away from the audience and instead on two occasions now have snuck him onto the show. Now, neither of these things have aired just yet, but it's my belief just based on the fact that he's tied up in the title scene and it's made social media, you know, via other, you know, the people that are in the crowd, like sort of taking, I don't don't want to call it fan cam, but like, uh, you know, videos with their phone we already kind of know that this is happening and it, it's not like, for instance, it's not like the Marty scroll situation where it was hap- where it happened in a closed audience tape door where like we, we will never see that footage because, you know, they decided not to do it at this point. It's like, it's Fred Rosser. It's the strong title and hundreds and hundreds of people on, in both occasions saw the angle play out. So I assume that they're going to move forward with it. Um, so I do think that that's kind of scummy, whatever their reasoning was, one way or the other, that the audience wasn't given the opportunity to make that decision for themselves as to whether they want to support a company or attend a show that has someone that you know potentially is a uh, you know perpetrator of domestic violence.
2: Right, and you know, from New Japan's side, you know, maybe for them, maybe they have enough evidence, or maybe because of the court case, or or maybe because he hasn't, you know, been arrested or, you know, legally, quote unquote, hasn't done anything wrong for them to, to not use him. Right. Fine, fine. If, they, if that's what they think is the case, fine, but at the very least, you need to advertise him. Then, if you guys are going to use him, just go ahead and advertise him, because, like you said then you give the, the ticket buyer an option. If somebody doesn't want to go to a show that's featuring Chris Dickinson, somebody um, you know, accused of alleged domestic abuse, then they have the choice of not buying that ticket not going to that show. But then to do these shows, advertise all these stuff and then not mention him at all and then all of a sudden you get a surprise angle and then a surprise title match. It's like, it's just not right.
1: Yeah, and there's something in the litigation that Uh, like you kind of alluded to where he was saying that these allegations that have come out against him have affected his professional career, which no doubt they definitely have. Um, But he sort of said that they affected his contract with new Japan. Um, I, I can't say this for certain. I mean, we don't really know what kind of contract he may or may not have had. We, we do know that there are various different kinds of agreements that new japan has with their various talents especially when it comes to the u.s side of things but it sounds to me like he may have been signed to like a per date deal right you know. and um i am wondering if part of this like you mentioned jeremy has to do with contractual obligations that new japan might have where they don't want to get sued or they don't want to have litigation and so they're trying to find ways to fulfill the contract without you know uh upsetting the fan base but also not um putting it completely out there that they are using the guy like trying to keep it low-key and under the radar at the same time one one thing you didn't mention is maybe they are cutting ties with him And this is their way of like jobbing him out of the territory, quote unquote, and kind of writing him off so that they're not going to use him going forward. Right.
2: Burning the dates on those on that contract so they can kind of wipe their hands of him officially.
1: Right. Now, make no mistake about it. When we when we offer these explanations, these are not excuses that we're presenting to you saying why New Japan is potentially in the, the, the right here. Uh, Because I don't have enough information to say whether they're completely in the wrong or not. The only thing I can criticize, and it's the same thing you said, Jeremy, is that regardless of what these situations are, they should have at least had enough credibility and decency to advertise the guy. Even if you don't want to advertise a match, you should have something that says appearances from Chris Dickinson or featuring Chris Dickinson. At the very, very, very least. I mean, I feel like that as a uh, promoter of a wrestling show, you know, that's something that needs to be done, especially considering his particular situation. So um, I I guess we're going to keep following it as it unfolds and it'll be interesting. But, you know, all, all the situations that you, that both of us kind of presented, I think they're all plausible given the history of New Japan. I mean, it is possible that they don't, care <laughs> right, I mean we
2: saw that they try to bring Mario's girl back
1: <laughs> right and in the past they've worked with the gaijins that other companies didn't want to work with for similar situations and in Japan we've seen them use you know not just them but other companies use undesirables like Michael Elgin and things like that so there's that possibility where the things that are happening with wrestlers in the west don't affect their bottom line quite as much so they don't really care that's a possibility there's a possibility that there's contractual obligations that they're trying to circumnavigate and fulfill at the same time there's the possibility that uh you know who knows there that maybe they did do an internal investigation and they feel that things are fulfilled based on their findings for better or for worse whether that's correct or not all those things are plausible but we don't have enough information the only thing I do know is for some people it's not a good look to put your money down and show up at a show and then have this guy show up and you didn't know about it. And then how does that reflect on the company and the brand and your, your entertainment as a, you know, a patron who's put down your cold, hard cash. I don't think that's right. Right. They should, they should have the option to at
2: least know and if they want to continue to buy the ticket, go ahead. And if they want to not go to the show, they should have the
1: right not to go to the show right and if your answer to that is like well if every wrestling company has to advertise every person that's gonna be on the show before they show up that's gonna ruin the surprises well my answer to that is like not everybody that's a wrestler has these kinds of charges and allegations being you know fought in court actively at the at the same time you know it's right. not quite the same thing so I do think that you have to kind of uh Deal with that very differently, and it—that is something about New Japan. In the past, when it comes to issues that are very taboo or very serious, when it comes to domestic uh, wrestlers and the domestic culture, they deal with those issues swiftly. We've seen wrestlers' entire careers get careened and put on halt and hold for all sorts of like things that became public knowledge over in Japan but when it comes to western wrestlers it's never really been the same and i think it again it's cuz they're a japanese domestic company but when you have international shows and international audiences and you're uh marketing yourself to that um demographic you you kind of also have to take those things into consideration yeah Well, like we
2: mentioned, we'll keep following that story, and we'll discuss more as more details come out. Let's uh, move on to some mailbag questions here. Uh, So first set of questions comes from user White in the Discord. It says, you have said previously that there are too many members of Bullet Club. Which members would you keep? In what role in BC? What would you do with the ones kicked out of BC? Straight up, release them from NJPW? form a new faction etc.
1: Oh man, that's one of those uh fantasy booking questions and I'm not really always great at the fantasy booking stuff, but uh you know, I got to tell you. I, I I would get rid of Bullet Club and I would have gotten rid of Bullet Club like 5 years ago. <laughs> 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 like that's that's the real answer. I wouldn't have had a Bullet Club. Um before we hit, I mean, Jeremy, let me ask you what What are the aside like? What are the? I know that I'm not saying there's been no positives. There's definitely been some positives, but since the elite left, when was that? 2017, 2018.
2: That would have been 20 2019
1: January. Okay, and you know what? I felt like that that whole thing felt super convoluted and and bloated at that time too, but. Let's just. I think that this current iteration kind of got formed after they left the company, right? So let's just kind of take it from there. Not saying that one's better than the other because I think that that iteration had issues as well. But uh, what are the positives that have come out of the Bull Club since that period, since like late twenty eighteen, early twenty
2: nineteen? I mean, I guess it's been a vehicle for Jay White to to lead a faction. Um, yeah, I could agree
1: with that. It's been merchandise sales. Any, uh, any other breakout stars? Anything else notable, memorable, big feuds, angles?
2: I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty much all J. Torture. all J. White, all all J. White's title matches, J. J White and G One finals. You know, marching out with the whole bull club to face Ibushi. Uh,
1: if you really are high on the evil stuff, you might you know, be voicing up, but you you, you kind of know how this like how this podcast feels about that. I would say the only real major thing that has occurred in that period is Jay White. Yeah. Um, I mean God had a memorable run, but I don't think that there's anything that's happened within the Bullet Club that couldn't have happened if these guys had been wearing different colors and been under a different banner aside from Jay White leading a faction. And I don't know that he really needed to lead Bull Club in general. Like, I'm almost of the opinion that I wish they would have just moved on from Bull Club and done something different at this point, just entirely across the board. And the only real positive thing you can point to is Jay White. And part of me also feels like Jay White isn't where Jay White should be in 2022 anyways.
2: Yeah, I think part of that is doing with the pandemic and how long it took for him to finally get back in Japan and stuff like that. Some Uh, of it. Yeah. Not all of it. Yeah. And (laughs) I think yeah, they could have, they could have created a new faction for Jay. Like they didn't have to do bullet club. I think it probably would have made more sense at that time for Jay to kind of create his own unit in his image instead of carrying on the whole uh, bullet club mantle. But besides that, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much been a promotional vehicle for Jay White. He's the main guy. He's the main star. Everything that's surrounding Bull Club surrounds him. Like you mentioned, there really hasn't been anybody new elevated. There was there. There's no, you know, Hangman Page really in this group. Um, there's no like Cody. There's no, um, you know, team. No, no guys. There's no like, you know, a young Kenny Omega. Or a vertical debit. There's no none of these guys that are really bro. Their young
1: guy is juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like currently, like I don't know. Well, actually, that's not true. You know who the young guy is? Like, uh, Chris Bay, Bay
2: and, uh, and Ace not- Ace Austin. Company.
1: Yeah, like the two guys that aren't even in the company, like working for the company currently, are like the, you know, the big guys in the group right now. Um. Well, let's just take a look at like see who's still in the group so you got foley owens dick togo evil ghetto kenta show ishimori ujiro ace austin chris Bay, doc gallows hikaleo El Fantasmo, jay white juice robinson and carl anderson god
2: um uh, i mean right off the bat i'm cutting house of torture all four of those guys
1: can go See, and this is why it's hard for me to answer, and why I went on that little bit of a rant because I feel like Bullet Club as a vehicle has really ran its course entirely. So it is hard for me to really could I soup them up by picking out the members I think would be best? Yeah, but how do I shape that narrative? And what's the thing tying those guys together as opposed to any other? You know what I mean? Where do we? How do we make money off this? Yeah, and I, and I feel like that ship is past. Um, I guess if I'm going a little derivative here, my answer to that question would be this, you go back to the roots, you get rid of the guy, uh, the, the domestic Japanese members all together, all of them, including Kenta. And you give Bullet Club a mission statement, which is whatever it was originally, you know, to shake things up and be the big bad guys. And I think you kick out Jay White. Mm. And I think you build it around ELP. And I would go with an entirely Gaijin stable. I would kick out... um... But then who are you left with? (laughs) That's the hard part. Then you're left with
2: Faley, Chase, um Chris Bay, Ace Austin, I
1: All I could tell you is I would build it around ELP. <laughs> <laughs> and I you might want to pull some guys into the group and kick a lot of guys out. I don't I honestly feel like uh Bull Club is one of the most fucked up groups in the entire company and like hard to salvage.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just over bloated. You have a lot of guys, you know, like Yujiro just kind of hanging around uh, Balak Fale. Um, Yeah, I mean,
1: like people are really critical of chaos and I, I see why for sure. And I think chaos is largely run its course as well. But at least they kind of make sense. Bullet Club doesn't really make sense. It's just a bunch of uh, you know, what were the what were the bad guys in um Power Rangers called oh, the Putty putties. Patrol? The putties, yeah. This is a bunch of fucking putties, bro. Like <laughs> a bunch of dudes that just lose. And and the guys that are like stars, quote unquote, they're not even that big of stars, and they're kind of old. Yeah. Even like Ishimori and Kenta. So, yeah I don't know I don't know what you do with this group I would disband it yeah sometimes you 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 need to do addition by subtraction and I think you need to just Bullet club is that was a a twenty thirteen thing man like it's done
3: <laughs> yeah
2: for me i i cut house of torture i get rid of the good brothers um
1: so i mean if you were just going to keep the group as it is and make it as strong as possible i guess I guess we could just do it that way. Yeah. You cut Fale, you cut Dick Togo, you cut Evil, you cut, I don't know, you keep Gato as a mouthpiece? Yeah, he can be a man, Do yeah. You keep Chase Owens, you cut him. I'd probably cut him. Yeah, cut. And what, you keep Kenta? Yeah. You keep Show? Mm, nah. Bro, it's Show. He- Show's the only guy with upside that's young in the group.
2: He's, he's been tainted. There's, there's, there's no, there's no salvaging show.
1: All right, so you cut show, you cut your you keep Taiji Shimori. Yeah. And then what are you gonna do with Ace Austin and Chris Bay? Keep him. All right, and then you cut Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson.
2: Yeah. You
1: cut Higalea, or you keep him? I keep Higalea. He fills a fall-A spot and you got elp j j and juice you keep all those guys yeah all right so your your bullet club is juice Jay white elp hikaleo ace austin chris bay taiji shimori and ghetto yeah oh no man that not do- and you hey, that don't st- i'd keep it a little tighter than that i don't know <laughs> this whole thing sucks honestly like Yeah, man, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that's, and then to answer the rest of it, it's like, there's so many members. How am I supposed to talk about like forming other groups and where they would go? You know, it's, it's just too many, uh, too many different trails to go down. My answer is very legitimately get rid of bull Club. mm. And it has been for a long time because they're not the bull Club anymore.
3: Yeah. Uh, moving on
2: to his next question. He says, do you think there's any chance Gato won't have Okada win the belt at the Dome in January at Wrestle Kingdom?
1: Yeah, I think there's a good likely, a good likelihood that that's a possibility. I'm not saying it's for sure, but it, it's definitely on the table.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could never count out Okada um, in a big match, uh, especially as they're continuing to try to recoup uh, revenue from the pandemic. He's the biggest star you got to get the most juice out of the squeeze. So I I definitely see that as a possibility.
1: But everything that you said makes it sound like Okada is going to win. And he's asking won't win. Mm. And I think, yeah, it's a high likelihood Okada wins the belt back. But then again, we're not going into a 50th year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it depends on who the opponent is. If it's Jay White, I think he's beating Jay White. But... Unless you want to do a third Wrestle Kingdom match with them and you set up that story, like, you know, uh, <laughs> if you had Jay White win, you could do a story where it's like, okay, Jay comes in as champion, right? And mm-hmm. it kind of mirrors the Wrestle Kingdom 9 match between Tanahashi and Okada, right? Right. And what happened in that match? Tanahashi, the old guard, won and told the young stud, you're still not on my level. And then he had to basically work his way back till the next year to where he finally could defeat Tanahashi for the third time on the big stage and and stake his claim. Well, we've already gotten Jay White and Okada once previously and Jay White beat him. So if he did it this time, you think that Okada's in the Tanahashi role. But what if they Subvert that narrative, and it's like he loses to Jay White again. And it's like the only guy other than Tanahashi that's like beat him twice in the dome back to back. Now it's like, damn, like he can beat Jay White, but he can't beat Jay White in the dome. And then Jay White's been able to be like, I'm the only guy that's beaten Okada so decisively in the dome, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then there's juice for them to do a third match either the next year or in several years, you know, that, you know how they love to do trilogy matches. Yeah. There is the possibility of that happening.
3: Yeah. I, I definitely could see that.
2: Yeah. With Jay kind of being the one guy that really has Okada's number time and time again. Yeah. That could be the, the way they go.
1: And for everyone that's like complaining about how Jay should be a bigger star, they need to invest in the guy and go with him what better way for him to go with him than to have him like upset the expectations and have him beat Okada on the biggest stage. I mean, if Okada beats him again. That's expected. If he beats Okada, now they got a story.
2: Right. And it'd be a pretty big deal too having a foreigner win in the main event leaving with the championship closing night.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's also the possibility I've, I'm of the opinion that we might see Naito retain, regain the title between now and Wrestle Kingdom. Could Naito be the guy that goes in with the title and defeats Okada?
0: Yeah. I think that's a
1: possibility. Yeah. So, uh
2: moving on next question here from RIJJJ says, you can only keep two. It's Ridge. Ridge. <laughs> Uh, you can only keep two, Will Ospreay, Jay White, or Okada. Bear in mind, Okada probably has less years left in him. Who are you picking?
1: Ospreay and Okada? What are you talking about? That's easy. <laughs> That's like the easiest question we've ever had.
2: Yeah, I'm also, yeah, I would choose Ospreay and Okada. I love Jay, but I mean, Ospreay and Okada are just
1: incredible. I I really like Jay White too, but it's Will Ospreay and Kazushika Okada. <laughs> <laughs> What's a comp? This is like asking, like, okay, you got Rock and Austin, and then Triple H. And keep in mind, Rock and Austin only got a couple of years left on them. Who are you keeping? <laughs> Rock and Austin. Keeping <laughs> Rock and Austin. What are you talking about? Oh
2: man! Uh, but, now- but Triple H is
1: going to be around for a decade. Yeah, I've seen it. It's not good. I want Rock and Austin.
2: <laughs> Austin will be back. <laughs> Uh, less Commission 7252 If you guys were to have your big First breakout singles match in New Japan Which competitor would be Your number one choice I would have to choose Robbie Eagles
1: I'm confused Is he asking who I want to have a breakout match Yeah. So in if, New Japan if, with, me, or... if
2: me and you were wrestlers And we got signed by New Japan Who would you want as your First breakout singles match
1: Is that what he's saying or is he asking for one of these guys, like if he's saying, is he saying that Robbie Eagles needs to have a breakout standout?
2: Match? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying.
1: Do You see, I don't know what he's asking one way or the other. I don't know if he's, if he's asking for us to be the wrestlers or for us to pick a wrestler to have the standout match themselves. Gotcha. You know, that's like a true quote unquote star making performance. Right. I think
2: it might be the second one.
1: Yeah. Because I'm like, why is he, because i don't i don't want to i don't know who i would want to i'd be scared to wrestle anybody in New Japan. <laughs> i mean i i
2: mixed it up with shingo
1: <laughs> yeah right get, get a, i would a, never
2: Got a great first match
1: if i had to pick anybody it would be ishii just because it's Ishii and you know it's going to be good like you could really suck and it's still going to be good because it's ishii so yeah you know uh, better, better, better safe than sorry But as far um,
2: as somebody on the actual roster that needs a uh, breakout match
1: Ooh, um, probably Phantasmo.
2: Mm, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say Great
1: Ocon. That's, that's another good choice, too. And I think those are two guys that they're heavily invested in that really haven't had that quite yet. I mean, they both had very good matches, but uh, especially the Eagles... Um,
3: ELP, ELP match. match
1: but on like that big stage where everyone's seen it and it's really mattered and it's been a big deal. It's, it hasn't happened yet for either of those two guys.
3: Yeah. He also
2: asked what shapeshift teams could we expect in this year's world tag
1: league? Tanahashi and young lion.
2: Uh, probably. Yeah. Cause you no, know, there's no Hanare for Tanahashi to team up with.
1: Yeah. So maybe Tanahashi and his clone, Yuya, Yuimura. Do that. That would
2: actually be pretty cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
2: Yeah, I can't. Um, nothing really. I feel like a lot of guys are gonna be. You're gonna get great bash heel. Or you're gonna get on, Like it's gonna be like ten
1: Bullet Club teams. I think it's gonna be a lot of the same teams that we're used to seeing. And um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm never good at predicting the World Tag League teams. So it's never what I expect.
2: Uh, his last question, do you guys think that the fans in the U.S. are the most selfish people in the wrestling industry right now?
1: I, I guess. I don't know. How would I answer that? I don't know what people in other countries in, in the wrestling industry are like.
3: Yeah.
2: I'm trying to think. Is there, is there something recent that happened that's making him think that?
1: I think it's definitely possible because of the excesses of north america and the united states and the entitlement of wrestling fans and you see the tribalism that is deeply embedded in the aew and wwe fan bases and the nonsense that goes on with their you know these audiences and the behavior that you see online sure but it's hard for me to be the the one to uh decide that they are the absolute worst when i don't speak japanese i don't know what the japanese domestic audience is you know but do i think they're probably as bad probably not but i don't really know
2: yeah i mean just based off of twitter comments i, I would say maybe yeah, the u.s could be more selfish I like, feel like the whole like of thing the japanese were like very like happy and excited that he won where western fans were complaining
1: why are they selfish though? Like, what did what did they do that was so selfish? I I don't know. I don't know either. I here's the thing: I don't really engage with uh, I don't engage with wrestling fans. <laughs> 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 I, if you guys will send us a donation, we'll engage with you, our fans, <laughs> for sure. You know, tell us what you want. We'll hook it up. You know, but uh, I I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, moving on it, to... One one way I will say that people are, are um, selfish or greedy. A lot of these fans are living through the greatest period of professional wrestling in North America that has ever existed, ever on television. And the amount of accessible wrestling that is available week in and week out, whether it's from Mexico, whether it's from the Indies, whether it's from one of these upper major, minor majors like MLW or Impact, or you know whoever, whether it's uh, WWE or AEW, there's always there's wrestling on every night of the week, and then there's streaming services so you can access New Japan and NOAA and rep Pro Bro. Wrestling Wave and rep- all these companies from literally from across the world, everywhere, whenever you want. It's it's accessible to everybody. And people are always fucking complaining <laughs> they're just always complaining and no matter what you do it, like for instance i was listening to uh talk is jericho the other day and he was talking about how like wrestling fans just complain and he's like and you just kind of have to live with it because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about and he was like how do i know this he's like they complain about everything we do in the build we give them all these great matches they complain the whole time and then when it's over they're like that was great it's like <laughs> of course it was great because we booked it we know what we were doing and you didn't you know you know you complain from all these you know different angles and you have no idea where we're going instead of just like letting it play out <laughs> you know and it's yeah. like bro i lived in a period where when you watched wrestling it was in an hour probably like six matches Most of them were going to be under five minutes. It was going to be a dude named, like, Jack Hayesaw, just, like, in a jacket, standing in the ring, no music, just waiting to get demolished. And then the Berserker comes out, and he beats his ass, and that's it. And then at the end of the show, you got one, one good match on Superstars, and it was going to be, like, Coco Beware versus the Big Boss Man (laughs) in, like, a ten-minute, you know, match. And that was normal. You know, go back and watch some of those early Raws from 1993, 1994.
0: It's like they're they're
1: not good.
2: <laughs> yeah, no yeah, Brian and Vinny, they were reviewing a lot of those raws, and when I hear back from myself, I'm like,
1: yikes. <laughs> yeah, bro. And it's like you're living in the in the period where the greatest in ring product is available to you week in and week out, night in and night out, and all people want to do is complain. And it's like I don't know what to tell you, man. This wrestling's never been as good.
2: Yeah. Uh moving on to Grunty Dodds is do you know what the timetable is for Tangaloa's return if he's not backed by Tag League, who should Tam a team with? Giotto Ugh.
1: <laughs> That's his tag team partner. What are you talking about?
2: Yeah, I mean that would be the option. They wear the same gear. Yeah. Um you're you're good friends with Tango Tangaloa,
1: right? He said uh He said uh I I am not good friends with Tangaloa. I've met Tangaloa. Um and I I was actually told the expectation for how long he was out, but I can't remember it. And if I could remember it, I don't think I should say it on the air because I don't know if that's public information. You know, I don't want to betray anyone's trust. But I was I actually was told the timetable, but I don't remember anymore. Mm. And it, who knows, maybe that's not accurate any any longer. So I don't I have no clue. Yeah.
2: He also asks, which question do you prefer to get? Who was the mole in chaos, or what's Hanare's workout routine? Next question. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> that's also up there. He missed out, uh, when will women come to New Japan? Well, that's actually happening now. Uh, moving on to uh, Man 52 Does Hikaleo have the potential talent ceiling to serve as a monster guy, role a la Lance Archer in a few
1: years. I, I think that hypothetically, if guided the right way with the right seasoning and experience, there's no reason he couldn't be a top guy.
3: Yeah. I mean,
2: he, I don't, I
1: don't think he has to be limited to that particular archetype.
2: Yeah. I mean, he has the size, he has mobility speed. Like he's a very talented guy and he's, been improving a lot so if he continues to improve i think yeah he could surpass just being that archer guy that squashes some people but then ultimately eats the big l to whoever the ace is at the time
1: yeah it's funny we live in an era now where people look at the monsters quote unquote that have been in new japan this isn't to disrespect them but it's not the same as it was back in the day you know in modern days you got follies you got archers but, like in the old days, you had Andres, Invaders, and
2: Stan Hansen, and Hansen's. You know? Yeah. It's
1: like, why can't we get back to that where top guys are also monsters? I mean, they love monsters in Japan. It should be like that.
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: also asked Does the increase in cheering slash booing create potential for House of Torture to become more palatable for U.S. audiences?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if uh, they're able to articulate the whatever it is that we, you know, if we're able to live vicariously through those fans in the audience and, um, you know, we want to boo and they're able to do it and it creates a, a funner, more enjoyable environment for those guys to kind of build off of, you know, that's one of the things when you're playing a heel, how do you know if what you're doing is working if the audience can't react to it? you really don't. You you're just hoping based off of theory that it, it and you know, that it's effective and you don't really know. They will become a more effective heel unit as the audience is able to articulate their either approval or disapproval of what they're doing, regardless. And that's better for everybody across the board.
2: Right. It's similar to like what Jericho's been saying, you know, during the pandemic when he was wrestling Orange Cassidy and Orange Cassidy is like you know, did I sell that move too long? He's like, I don't know. There's there's no crowd to react to. Let me know if you got, you sold it too long or not. And so similar thing here with House of Torture, Um, you know, the whole question was how do we know these guys are getting over? How do we know this whole act is working? And now that we're getting some shows that's allowing for cheering and booing and they're getting booed, like there actually seems to be over as a heel act And it does make their matches Easier to watch when you have The crowd booing them when they are Doing things to get Heat and they're actually getting the Heat they're getting the crowds to boo them Give them the thumbs down telling chanting For them to uh, go home It, it does make it, it more entertaining It makes what they're doing actually Start to make sense because They're, they're getting that, that reaction That they're trying to get Versus when they're when they're doing all this stuff, they're trying to get heat, and people just kind of sit there on their hands because you really don't want to clap for cheating, but there's nothing else you can do. Uh, His next question: Who does Naito fight at Wrestle Kingdom?
1: Well, there's a big part of me that still is hypothesizing with no real evidence to back this up. I'm just thinking of booking patterns and business. There's a good possibility that he gets into title contention and defeats Jay White for the title, thus fulfilling the whole promise that him and Okada made to one another that they're going to face off at Wrestle Kingdom in the main event of the Tokyo Dome. I feel like there's a lot of reasons that that might be the most likely scenario. If that didn't come to pass, um, then all bets are off. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess maybe you could do Tanahashi and Naito in the Dome again for the Never title.
2: Um, what What about a Naito-Osprey rematch for the U.S. title if the Omega-Osprey thing falls through?
1: Yeah, well, we, we really don't know what's happening with Omega, and we don't know if they were even fully planning on ever doing that in the Dome anyways. I mean, given the way Tony Khan has behaved about certain matches, namely the Tanahashi and uh, Moxley match, it's it's hard to know if he would even let them uh, have a match of that magnitude first time in Japan or not um so yeah there is something to that and we did see them have a, a fantastic G1 match that's possible but i'm still holding out hope for that kenny match so
0: yeah <laughs> that's I why i don't want to put are. my
1: uh <laughs> yeah i don't want to put my stamp of approval on that before uh before it's you know a done deal yeah I don't know what anything else you can think of. I mean, I don't
2: know. Yeah, I think Okada is the number one choice for me. Then, then it would be Osprey to follow up, get Reve- get you know the win back from that U.S. loss or that G one loss on semifinals. Um, besides that, I would say if it's not those two, maybe an outsider, somebody from AEW. Um, I don't know.
1: I don't. Um, there's also you know you could have Naito be in that. De facto number one contender match at Wrestle Kingdom. They don't ever call it that, but you know, there's always that big non-title singles match that leads to the first title shot at New Beginning.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they could do something like that. Um, I'll throw out a really off the wall, very unlikely to happen. Uh, Kota Ibushi.
1: Oh, I would cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of which, I mean, should we? I know we're not in the news anymore, but, like, Kota Bushi and, uh, you know, uh, Kenny Omega, they've been chilling
2: in Japan. the the Golden Lovers have reunited.
1: Thank you, CM Punk. (laughs) Thanks, Ace Steel. (laughs) Yeah, so. So they are, uh, you know, back together again. Uh, Confirmed run in New Japan incoming. They're going to be in the World Tag League, by the way. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh. They never did it when they were in the company, and they really regretted it. So they're coming back to do it. <laughs> Kenny, he
2: convinced Abushi to do the it's, do
1: it's, it. It's not that bad. They could. They apologized. You can't wrestle in a triangle ring. You got to come back. <laughs> oh man! And then, likewise, you know, Abushi was like, "I mean, is it worth it to be an EVP? Did anyone ever bite you when you worked in Japan? No." <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you should come back to the cerulean blue.
2: <laughs> Maybe you should be, uh, be the star of my triangle ring promotion. <laughs>
1: uh, oh man. Um, yeah. Who knows? I don't know who Naito could wrestle. Yeah. I think we, we throw out some good options. Yeah. Uh,
2: MJ does PR says mid car. Oh, Goto.
1: Goto. Just throw him in there with Goto. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, SPR Mid card shuffle. If you could remake New Japan's mid card in your own vision, what would it look like? Who would you push? Who would you downcycle?
1: Huh. Um I don't know, man. That's hard these are such open ended questions sometimes. Um if there's anybody I mean, I guess. What are we defining as mid card? Are we talking about people that see? I I feel like New Japan's mid card is very ill defined currently, anyways.
2: Yeah, I feel like because I mean, you could quote unquote classify like Will Osprey as a mid card because he's holding the U.S. title, but he's, he's clearly not. a main eventer,
1: right? And I don't feel like the never title or the U.S. title really fulfill the role of being a mid card belt right now. Yeah. You know, it used to be with the white belt, there was degrees. It was like that upper mid card where guys that were on the cusp as well as top guys could all wrestle in that realm. And then people that were generally wrestling for the never in the US title, you know, were typically like in the mid-card, except for like Kenny that one time. But after him, most of those guys were kind of mid-carders. Jay White was working his way up, you know, uh Cody wasn't. I, I wouldn't call him a main eventer. You know, Juice was in the mid-card. So, I don't know. Everything's just gotten weird since they got a white belt or got rid of the white belt.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, kind of same answer from the previous question. I mean, Great Ocon to me, is that the main guy that I feel like I would get behind and push and try to elevate him up the card.
1: Me too. But then the question becomes, how do you do that when these titles don't have that defined structure of fulfilling that role you know yeah uh i guess i would maybe put the never title on
3: him yeah
1: and that might be a good first step
2: yeah you could have him let's say tanahashi beats carl anderson you have okan beat tanahashi then i would have Ocon have a banger of like goto and ishi some of the you know the never legends shingo establish him as a bruiser then you can maybe transition him over to the u.s title have him hold of that and then eventually you know challenge for the, the world title.
1: I would um definitely push up. I mean, I don't know, man. It this is so tough. Cuz I feel like the reality is a lot of the guys in New Japan uh, I don't want to be too critical here, but like what ends up happening a lot of the times is people get slotted you know, into a particular position in New Japan and then they're just in the pecking order and they're just kind of waiting for the whole entire card to bump up simultaneously when guys leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very rare that you see someone jump the pecking order to a large degree. And I, that does happen. We've seen it with Osprey and Shingo and others, but it's not that common. Um, I mean, I can tell you a couple guys I think definitely need more focus and and you know attention i just don't know how you do it from a business perspective but juice is definitely a guy i would push up Mm -hmm. um jeff cobb
0: yeah probably to some
1: degree jeff cobb i mean i already feel like he's pretty high up there anyways you know but maybe it's sort of on again off again yeah maybe tai chi Mm, yeah Guys I would push down? I don't know. A lot of them are already kind of down anyways. Uh, Fale, Chase Owens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ujiro. Most most of the guys in Bull Club. Yeah.
2: Uh, his next question says, MJF was on Ariel Hawani this week and called NJPW dog shit promotion. He mentioned again that he likes great Okon. He also said that he'd work for any company that would pay him the most except New Japan. This is the second time MJF has said stuff like this. What do you think he's up to?
1: I think he's just working, people.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously MJF does all his stuff in character. He's a heel. He knows that the you know the smart internet fans love New Japan, so he's going to bury New Japan. He knows a lot of fans don't like Great Okan. So he's going to put over great Okan. Um, so yeah, he's just, he's just trolling, getting heat, and just getting people to you know create articles or clickbait stuff that he says in these interviews.
1: Yeah, and I mean, who knows? He might not like New Japan. True. Um, now, it, it's definitely plausible and believable. This might just be him turning his character or his opinion up to 11. But I mean, I don't know. He might not be a guy that really actually likes New Japan and he's just letting that opinion sort of organically take on a larger than life persona, you know, and expressing it that way. I think that's also believable. He doesn't necessarily strike me as a guy that loves Peruzu based on some of the stuff he said. But uh at the same time, I, I think most of this is just it's all work. And it is funny how many people listen to him on, like, say, Ariel Hawani's podcast, and they think he's like doing a real like interview. And it's clearly all in character. Yeah. <laughs> Now, and I'm not saying that's you, MJ does PR. I'm just saying that I saw that sentiment quite a bit just across the, the internet. And I'm like, you guys, have you guys never watched MJ does P- or uh, MJF before? Like, it's kind of his deal. Yeah, he totally
2: has worked so many people in a circle. with all the interviews he's been doing this week. Uh, moving on to Rambone Slam Pig says, was Kenny's visit to Ibushi? Be a catalyst for Abushi to reignite his passion for pro wrestling, return to NJPW and regain the world heavyweight title. Um, you know, we got to let it play out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it could be, you know, they, they start talking about old times and DDT and yeah, maybe Bushi's like, all right,
1: I'm ready. Um, yeah I mean, I would love for Ibushi to come back the The latest report was that his shoulder is slowly healing, so that's a good sign, yeah, but whether he comes back to New Japan, I mean the last report we heard was he's not expected to return it at all, so yeah, uh next
2: question, Harry he says, the current crop of young lions on excursion are an exciting bunch, which current or past stars? Do you think each of the following is most reminiscent of Yuyamura, Renarita, Yotosuji, and Shota
1: Umino? Ooh, great question. Well, I think the first easiest one, Renarita, is clearly like a Shibata. Shibata yeah. Then, um, you know, Sota- Yotosuji reminds me a lot of, um. oh, man, why does this always happen to me on the air where I forget words and names? Um... Takiyama. Mm. He reminds me, Yota Suji reminds me a lot of Takiyama, just kind of like that big, brooding, you know, heavy-duty type of dude. Plus, they both have long hair. I don't know. And, you know, uh, Takiyama, when he was young, he was like kind of like a slender, muscular build like Suji, and then he put on the weight as he got older. So I don't know. There's a lot of uh, comparisons there. But Yamora and Umino, that's a tough one because they both kind of remind me of Tanahashi a bit.
3: Yeah.
2: I think Yamora, I definitely get that real, like the young, like 2012, 2013 Tanahashi vibes. Um,
1: I've also gotten like Fujinami vibes from mm. Yumura in the past. I've also gotten Sonata vibes from Umora in the past. Yeah um if if i had to choose between the two of them and say which one reminded me more of tanahashi it's yumura but he also kind of reminds me of those other three wrestlers i mentioned as far as umino goes i don't know i think
2: definitely like the his present like the kind of the the attire and the entrance
1: and it's kind of
2: tanahashi
1: yeah um well, maybe I go with Yumora, I go more of a Fujinami, and then with Umino, I go more of a Tanahashi. Just, you know, make it easy. Yeah. Boom.
2: All right. That wraps it up for... You know,
1: you skipped all of the uh, Twitter questions. You want me to read those?
2: Oh, there was, there was Twitter questions? I I got Rambo and Slam Pig. I didn't see any...
1: Yeah, so... Uh... We had a question from Oscar Rooney. He asked, does New Japan have the best overall merch in all of wrestling? And he sent us a picture of the recent LIJ vinyl like bomber jacket, the black and gold one with the red trim. Mm. Yeah. I mean- and I, I got to tell you, I, I don't like New Japan's uh, merch across the board, just generally speaking. I think
2: some stuff is good. Like the bomber jackets are cool. Some shirts are cool. I think it's
1: hit or miss depending on the wrestler, I feel like. That's true. But by and large, there are cool items for sure. But most of the stuff I see that comes out of there looks, I don't know. I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but most of it to me just doesn't look very cool. looks kind of lazy. But then again, maybe I'm the wrong audience. I don't like most wrestling merch. <laughs>
2: I do like wrestling merchants. Even, I don't have a ton of New Japan sh- I have a bunch of Lion Mark shirts. And Bull- I love the Lion Mark shirts. They're timeless. Yeah, I have a bunch of Bull Club shirts. Um, but, like, Tanahashi's merch is not really great. Ishii's merch is not great. Like, a lot of my favorites, like, don't really have the best design merch.
1: I've noticed that their hats and jackets and hoodies seem to be cooler than... yes. The- but, like, their shirts. I don't really like the shirts very much. Yeah. Also, they overcharge. Well, maybe they don't overcharge, but maybe it's because of an international thing. But, like, generally speaking, their merch is so, so much more expensive than everyone else's. Yeah. On the uh, token shop. Well, even, like, when they come to town. Oh, yeah. Like,
3: live event. When, yeah.
1: Yeah. When they're charging live events and they have domestic shit, it's, like, so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um next question from mark o'brien mark nato 1990 he said what are your favorite types of finishers slam slash grapples strikes top rope dives submissions and what is your favorite of each in new japan i like submissions because the crowd really gets into it and it's not as predictable that someone wins after hitting it
2: Hmm, that's a good uh, question there um I think for me, I think strikes can be um, good finishers because I feel like you hit the big strike, it can kind of come out of nowhere. Um, I don't really think anybody really has a finisher. Well, I guess the hidden blade for like Will Ospreay. Um, It's really devastating, and it just kind of comes out of nowhere sometimes.
1: I like them all. I I can't lie. Like, there's not one that I like more than the other necessarily. Uh, Maybe that's me cheating a bit, but. You know, uh, I like when guys come off the top, top rope. I like when guys tap a motherfucker out. I like when someone gets knocked out. I like when someone gets hit with the last of the dragon. Like I like this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: you can't go wrong if you have the right move in all those categories.
1: Um, what is your favorite submission hold finisher in New
2: Japan? Um, let's see. Trying to think right now who all has submission finisher. I mean, there's not really a ton of submission Finishers in New Japan right now. I feel like uh, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm I trying mean, to think got, of them. You got like the Skull N, which I don't I hate that. Yeah, I'm uh, not
1: a big Skull N fin- fan either.
2: I like the the Stretch Plum that Chi does. Yeah, but it's not all his finish though. Uh, uh, for
1: uh, me, it's probably got to be one of Zach's finishers. But yeah. he, they're so crazy. I don't ever know what to call them because they have weird names and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I, that'd probably be my answer. It's just Zach tapping people out. <laughs> right. Zach is grabbing
2: a bunch of body parts and twisting them.
1: Um, Favorite top rope finisher. I think for me, it's still high-fly flow regardless. You can do whatever you want to do. I like the high-fly flow.
2: Yeah, I think, right, again, right now, there's not a whole ton of top rope finishers, I think. I feel like most people are really kind of grapple-based right now. Yeah, high fly flow. I can't. Nothing else is. Oh, Jonah's um splash is pretty cool.
1: I, I can think of a few. You know, um, Watto comes off and does the uh, uh, the
2: RPP. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's there's definitely E-L- I mean,
2: ELP's uh, a star star uh, star kiss eighty six.
1: Yeah, there's 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 lots of them out there, but I mean, high fly flow is a high fly flow. Yeah, that that's probably that's like the ace finish. <laughs> uh as far as a strike finisher i mean i think it's i think we're both probably gonna say the uh hidden blade the hidden blade i mean that thing is just so devastating looking yeah and i can't think of a there are some really great strikes in new japan but that's like the one that's like holy crap (laughs) yeah um and then finally like a slam or a grapple which you know that's your traditional big finisher in new japan uh what what's your favorite Uh, i'd probably say last of the dragon right now yeah it might be last of the dragon um i don't know it might just be rainmaker Mm. i like the rainmaker i also like uh i mean i like the hidden blade yeah i like uh tour of the islands yeah tour of the islands good storm breakers great yeah yeah uh, last the dragon's probably the coolest one well
2: you know ma- what, made I, in japan's I, better than yeah.
1: made in your, ma- you like made in japan better than last of the dragon yeah uh, i don't i like last of the dragon better i actually like when um ishii just hits someone with a brain buster yeah brain buster is cool also Gotch style pile driver hmm
2: yeah there's a ton of great so. great finish
1: Next question if New Japan had a war games match, who would you like to see in it?
2: Um uh well there's also tons of factions. I I think probably the the most compelling if you're going by the groups would probably be like maybe chaos versus United Empire. So you could do like Okada, Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi. Um, I guess maybe Yano against Osprey, Cobb, Okan, and Aussie Open. Okay, so how many people would be in yours? Four or five? I did five.
1: Okay, and who would it be?
2: So it'd be Chaos, it'd be Okada, Goto, Ishii, Yoshihashi, and Yano against the United Empire team of Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, Great Ocon, and Aussie Open?
1: That's a good one. Um, Dang, that's really, really good. Um, You know, this is my favorite, uh, like, match type, is the War Games match. But I've never – I haven't put too much thought about who should be in one of these things. I think I would definitely do L.I.J. though. Mm. And so that means that would make it pretty easy because then you've got Hiromu, Shingo, um, Naito, Naito, and then uh, Sonata. And if you wanted to get cute, you could throw in Bushi. It's up to you. you. Or you could do the four guys. And then... I would probably do them against either Chaos or United Empire. Um, I might go United Empire.
2: Yeah, that sounds great, actually. Yeah, L-I-J, United Empire.
1: Yeah, and I mean, then you could do... Then you have Osprey, Ocon, and um, Cobb, and... What's his face? Uh, Hanare. Hanare. I would... I mean, you could throw in the um, Aussie Open if you want to, but I feel like if you keep the original four guys, they're pretty fucking awesome. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you want to throw the kicker in, you know, I, I think I'd just keep it to those four. I think I would keep it... Uh, the four main guys from LIJ and then the original four guys from United Empire. That'd be my match right now. That sounds great. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. I wish that could happen. It's never going to happen. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, next question from the broken poet one, he said probably too late, but what's the deal with UK show being on tape delay. I know fight was terrible the first time, but NJPW could have covered it live, right? Even Um, The fight stuff is getting a bit better. So why do you think it's on delay? Bash.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure yet. It's going to be on video on demand on New Japan World. Not sure what the reasoning is for that. Uh, Maybe there were some production costs, maybe that New Japan just wasn't willing to to front to get a stream live, whether it be on world or through fight TV. And maybe they thought it's just better if we, record it live a tape and then have the ability to edit it and make sure it's all good and put it out afterwards. Um, Besides that, I can't really think of any other reason why they wouldn't just straight up do it live.
1: Yeah. I think all those are plausible. We don't really know, but considering how many issues they had last time they did Royal quest and all the issues they've had with fight since then, I'm guessing they, and then also the issues they had with, the last Nashville show that was on fight as well probably tells me that they're like, you know what, instead of losing money by having to pay refunds and having people unhappy, yada, yada, maybe we should just tape this thing and make sure it's compiled and put together and presentable when we actually charge people for it, as opposed to giving people a subpar experience out the gate. And, you know, having them pay and having a reputation messed up and blah 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 yeah i think that's possible so uh we'll have to wait and see and i think that is going to do it for the questions this week
2: nice uh yeah sorry for those twitter guys that kind of came in last minute there they didn't double check them so
1: you're welcome boys <laughs>
2: thank, thank the young boy for putting you guys over this week um. So yeah so that's it for the questions Let's close off here with Recommended match of The week so last Week for the excursion match I recommended June Kasai Versus El Desperado From Taka Taichi Despy Mania
1: Okay well um, Jeremy did you get a chance to check this Match out as well yes I did Okay so I mean I kind of gave A quasi brief uh review last week um but what were your overall thoughts and then i can kind of like pipe in as well
2: this match was absolutely insane um <laughs> these guys were just doing the, the wildest craziest stuff um and it's you know it's your death match stuff with the with the skewers they had the you know the board with the, the cans that are you know tore um Cut up and uh, doing moves onto that. Um, they had like those um, kind of like plywood board things. They had the barbed wire, um, the barbed wire board, which, you know, Death's mask got caught in towards the beginning. And Jun just used that to kind of rip up Des Beast's mask. But yeah, pretty much you think it, you name it, every weapon, every plunder thing, Thing they, they had it was a bloody Crazy brawl Tons of crazy High spots and you know initially When I first started watching it I'm like Man this is just a crazy You know death match high Spot but then as The match went on I felt they Really told a compelling story They really got the crowd Behind Desperado he was kind of the Underdog here and there was a Closing stretch of the match where Jun Kasai was, was hitting this guy with like move after move after move. Like he did his big splash from the top. He was doing all his big signature spots, and Despi kept kicking out, kept kicking out. And you're like, oh, like it kind of felt like one of those cl- closing stretches where, oh, Jun's gonna put him away by hitting a really big move. And he he keep hitting bigger moves, but Despi would keep kicking out, which led to the closing sequence, and eventually Desperado kind of getting getting the big win mm-hmm. after hitting the, the J Driller and then hitting a um the Pinche Loco.
0: Yeah. Um
1: you you pretty much summed up my thoughts on this match. I was just so wowed and impressed, but also kind of uh frightened and taken back all at the same time. Uh I mean I'm no stranger to Deathmatch Wrestling, but it's not necessarily my forte or something that I I'm in love with you know it's not something I regularly watch all the time but uh this match really was an incredible story and it built off the 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 whole history that of matches that these two guys have had starting with the first SB you know uh or the first Taka Chi Mania match they had with one another a couple of years ago where this guy got his jaw broken and then the uh, the re- the rematch, which was the tag match that they had earlier this year and kind of all culminated here. And they've kind of had each other, you know, in the uh, crosshairs for a while now. And for whatever reason, Despie, I mean, he's a, a New Japan guy. He's kind of a made man. He's like the leader of of the junior division. And he doesn't really necessarily need to be about that life. But for whatever reason, he is. And both of these guys coming out in all white was an incredible touch because you knew that they were going to bleed a lot, and like you said, every gimmick that was imaginable. I mean, there's some pretty horrifying stuff. Uh, I'm surprised there was no light tubes. True, so yeah. that was like one of the few things missing here. But I mean, you know, uh, metal grates, chains, barbed wire, forks, for yeah, that was one of the craziest things. Was they they, they had a board with forks that was set up on a bunch of chairs and um they did a destroyer um pedigree into the off the top rope into the the board with forks with and they were metal forks that were that was uh, that was one of the things i didn't even know what they were doing to be honest what i thought was happening was i thought he was i thought that uh june kasai was Desperado a Pepsi plunge off the top rope, mm-hmm. and Despy reversed it and was giving him a back body drop. But then when they both went, I was like, "Oh, and he <laughs> gave him a destroyer!" This <laughs> is nuts. This is and then they they also had boards with uh metal cleavers in the board, but they were like set up in a way to where like you couldn't cut through. But I mean, they were they were cleavers in the board that were cutting the guys up. Um, and like Jeremy said, it, it was pretty, pretty brutal. One thing that I liked about, so like in the old days of death match wrestling, um, a lot of the stuff I liked, like the Onita stuff, there was a lot of psychology around it. They would tease and tease and tease and tease the danger that was to come. And then eventually, boom, you get it, you know? Um, and it, and it was kind of hyped up and over the past couple decades with like czw and all these crazy freedoms death match promotions that that art kind of went by the wayside and just kind of became what's the craziest thing we could do as fast as possible and everyone just killing each other this match was kind of somewhere in between that because they definitely got right to it but there was a psychology around the story built around when they were doing what they were doing and it escalated appropriately and there was a lot of psychology that was built there it wasn't just mindlessly you know spamming finishers or spamming uh weapon shots and there was a good portion where it was like you know it, it kind of had the structure of a regular match where it was like you know they they were back and forth and then looked a little bit like Despi was getting the early shine and then you know then we got to the heat with June Kasai and then you thought there's gonna be a comeback but then there's no comeback. There's no comeback. And then Junkasai is just kicking this dude's ass. And like he rips his mask and he's bleeding everywhere. And you could actually see his whole exposed face the whole, the whole match. Yeah. And it just keeps going and going and it's getting worse and worse. And Junkasai is just putting uh death speed through hell. And then it becomes a match where it's like, oh, he's just wrestling as an underdog from underneath the whole time. Kinda reminded me of the uh like a bloodier, dirtier version of what we got from Tai Chi. And uh Doki earlier in the year Mm. in a certain way. Yeah. And it just was like, holy fuck, like this this guy, Desperado, should have never taken this match because he doesn't belong. He's in he's out of his element and he's getting destroyed. And uh eventually he was able to get the double pinche loco to beat this guy, but he had to go through hell to do it. And uh it's just so wild. And then the post match comments um, it's not traditionally like as good as like say an eddie kingston promo or a mox promo or some, some of the stuff we've seen this year but it was really incredible and touching the the post-match promo where you know june kasai is talking about how despy said that he didn't care about his life and he's willing to die and he's talking about how like you're not like me like you have the world in front of your feet <laughs> and you know you shouldn't be willing to die in this ring. Like you have something to live for and don't, don't ever take life. So like, uh, so lightly, you know, and then Despi like broke down in tears and was like, I'm never going to to make that mistake again. And it was like, there was like a progression of like character building and story, you know, in the story that they're telling where it's like, damn, like I have a lot more, um, personal investment into Desperado and, make no mistake about it, but he's been great. But like this did a lot more for me for Desperado than say like the last uh, match he had with like um, Hiromu in the finals of the super juniors or whatever. So yeah, I thought this was just excellent. Just really, really excellent. Uh, I don't know if I'm five stars on it, but a lot of people are, I can see why they are. I'm not far off. I I think it's a, a clear leader and contender for excursion match of the year contender.
2: Yeah, definitely. So then, for the recommended match, you recommended Liger versus Hiromu. One of their only televised singles matches from Best of Super Junior Twenty Seven, Night Two. Uh, watch this matchup, and man, this match was so much fun. It was in a uh raucous, hot corking hall crowd. Um, and straight from the bell, Liger goes to Hiromu. Bam, Shote. Right from the opening bell, hits the sent dive from the apron, brain buster on the floor. Uh, Liger is just taking it to Hiromu. Um, Hiromu's having a fight from underneath. Um, and then from there, those guys just um, back and forth with the speed and the high flying and the great spots. Um, of course, Hiromu's trying to hit the time bomb, but Liger keeps reversing. Liger got several great, you know, hope spots to get the big Liger bomb. Get the brain buster in the ring, and the crowd was totally behind Liger. Uh, Hiromu was a junior champion going into this match and into this tournament. So, uh, had Liger beaten Hiromu, he would have gotten a junior title shot after Super Juniors. Um, so, the crowd was definitely, you know, behind Liger and wanted him to get the big win here. Uh, but yeah, Hiromu kind of fighting back, um, um, and it was able to uh, hit the time bomb to beat Liger.
1: Nice. Well, um, I guess that is going to. Uh, where 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 would you go? Star ratings in this one.
2: So probably like four and a quarter for the Liger Hiromu.
1: That's pretty high
2: for a match this short. Yeah, it was short, but I don't know. It it was awesome. Like <laughs> like Liger was on fire. Like flying all over the place. Hiromu was just moving so fast and doing a lot of cool stuff. It it was an awesome match.
1: Nice. Well, that is going to do it for um, Recommended Excursion Match of the Week talk. Let's uh, give our recommendations for this coming week and get out of here.
2: Yeah, so this week I have the Recommended Match, and I am choosing Cassidy Shibata versus Shelton Benjamin from the G1 Climax 24, Night 5, July 28, 2014.
1: What led you to pick this one?
2: So, um, I saw on Twitter Tanahashi talking about his match with Shelton Benjamin. And, you know, I've always been a big fan of Shelton Benjamin. He was one of my favorite guys, kind of that mid-2005 era of WWE. And, you know, I haven't seen a ton of Shelton stuff in New Japan. I was like, oh, well, Shelton and Tanahashi, that just sounds good. Then I went to Cage Match, and both those matches are like sixes, and Dave gave both of them like three and a quarter. And I'm like, hmm, that's weird. I guess those weren't that good matches, so then I went to Shelton's cage match, went to New Japan, filtered for his highest-rated New Japan match, and it was this match, his highest-rated singles New Japan match, and it was this match with uh, Shibata. Huh.
1: Well, I will definitely have to check that out. I don't know if I've actually seen this, so, um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, For my excursion match of the week, I know that the last time I had this, I sent you to... The UK, to Rep Pro's 10-year anniversary, I think we're going back there. Um, so f- the first night's main event, which would be Will Ospreay versus Mike Bailey, got a lot of buzz. I know it's one that you've been uh, probably wanting to check out. I don't know if – have you already seen it?
2: No, I started watching it at one point, but then I got had to do something else. So, yeah, I definitely need to watch this match. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it this
1: week. Awesome. Well, um, that's going to do it.
2: Yep, that's going to wrap things up for us here this week. Next week, we'll be back to review the Burning Spirit in Kobe and keep you up to date with all the latest NJPW news. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping a Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KISTrongStyle. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan Also follow the network At Social Suplex On Facebook We're Facebook.com Slash Social Suplex On Instagram We're also at Social Suplex You can find us on Reddit I'm the Pro Black Guy Josh is keeping it strong style You can email me Jeremy At Social Suplex.com And check out all the other shows That we have here On the Social Suplex Podcast Network One Nation Radio Hosted by Rich Latta And James Boyd The Grave Consequences hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. The AEW Match Guide Podcast hosted by Sir Sam. And The Great Match Generator hosted by Danny Kukler. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style. The Ace of
3: Podcasts.
0: Thank you for listening to Keepin' It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.